This is Free Talk Live. It is the live Saturday edition. As we kick off hour number one, you can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. That is also known as the Packet 8 toll-free lines for you. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Of course, you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All of the features on the site are completely free. That, again, freetalklive.com. going to start things out here tonight with a story that many of you may find a little bit disturbing. Nonetheless, uh, it's, I think, pretty important to talk about this, because the rules about child pornography could be changing sometime soon. Now, child pornography, whenever you even uh, mention those words, people cringe. Oh, yeah, that's the, bad stuff, right? The suge- it is. Uh, it it, is. Ch- child porn is essentially um, usually video footage or, I guess in some cases, still footage or still vi- um, pictures of children having sexual acts done to them, typically by adults or Sounds whatever. Right. That's I mean, what I imagine. Right. Um, but unfortunately, and, and, and that's good that that's um, illegal and everything, but unfortunately they're looking at expanding the definition of child porn to include pictures of children that uh, well, pictures of children who are clothed. How can you have child pornography when there's no nudity involved? Well, let's explore. CNET at News.com uh, looks into it. Jeff Pearson is a photographer whose action shots of hopped-up American autos laying waste to the asphalt at Alabama dragways have appeared in racing magazines as well as commercial advertisements. Pearson's website boasts that he has, quote, the most wonderful wife in the world and two fantastic daughters. And until recently, he ran a business called Beautiful Supermodels that charged $175 for portraits of aspiring models under the age of 18. Now, in a federal indictment announced this week, the U.S. Department of Justice accused Pearson, who is 43, of being a child pornographer, even though prosecutors acknowledge there's no evidence he's ever taken a single photograph of even an unclothed minor. Now, there have been uh, cases in the past, and I think this article will reference one of them. I believe Sally Mann is the name of the photographer. There are photographers out there, you know, arty photographers, that their thing is to take pictures of nude children. Usually, uh, you know, alongside a river or in the bathtub or whatever. I've seen lots of pictures of naked babies. Sure, parents even. They're uh, cute. Right. Parents even take pictures of their own children naked, typically in the bathtub. I have, there are pictures of me naked in a bathtub with cousins. Well, now, does that make it child pornography because there are other people present? I don't know. There were boats. Little boats floating in the water. Well, some people have gotten in trouble for taking pictures of their kids uh, naked and taking them, for instance, to the photo developers. And the photo developers, under the instruction to report anything suspicious to the police, and the parents get in trouble for it, which is, of course, outrageous enough as it is. It is outrageous. But now we're talking, and that, to me, is clearly not child pornography. A picture of your kid in the bathtub, not child porn. But if you think it is, I want to hear from you at 800-259-9231. You know, if we're going to have child porn laws, they need to be really specific so that people don't accidentally get caught up in them, like you know, people taking pictures of their babies. Well, unfortunately, the direction they're going is not towards more specificity, uh, as you'll find out here. Rather, the prosecutors argue, so even though this Pearson guy has never even photographed a nude child before, they argue that his models struck poses that were illegally provocative. Illegally provocative. The, quote, the images charged are not legitimate child modeling, but rather lascivious poses one would expect to see 
in an adult magazine, says Alice Martin, U.S. Attorney Bureaucrat for the Northern District of Alabama. Pearson's child pornography indictment rises out of an FBI-U.S. Postal Inspection Service investigation of so-called child modeling websites, which have been the subject of a series of critical congressional hearings and news reports in the last few years. An August article in the New York Times, for instance, called those modeling websites, quote, the latest, cha- uh, the latest trend in child exploitation. In addition to Pearson, the U.S. attorney also announced indictments against Mark Greenberg and Jeffrey Libman, partners in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, in a business called WebWeb, which Web-web? W-E-B-E, I'm not sure how you pronounce that. It sounds like Web WebWeb, which in turn ran the now defunct ChildSupermodels.com website. It was one of the larger sites that featured photographs of child models, allegedly from Pearson and became the target of a report on Florida's NBC6 affiliate, suggesting that it was a magnet for pedophiles. Now, First Amendment scholars interviewed on Wednesday raised questions about the, judge, uh, the Justice Department's attack on Internet child modeling. They warned that any legal precedent might actually endanger the mainstream use of child models in advertising, and suggested that prosecutors' budgets might be better spent investigating actual cases of child molestation. Because what you're talking about here with this, this guy, this photographer, he again charged $175 for portraits of aspiring models under the age of 18. These, these girls, these teenage girls, are not coming to this guy with their own money and ponying up for a portfolio. Their parents are involved because you can't take pictures of kids without their parents' permission. So you have to understand that even though these prosecutors are saying that the pictures were child exploitation, the parents are involved. The parents are signing off on these photos. And we'll continue here. Well, you know, when I'm thinking about it, if you think about the perfume perfume ads and Mm -hmm. that kind of thing, those are often provocative in some way or another. They're not naked or anything like that, not that I know of, Um, but... I don't think that I I don't think I'd want to pass a law against perfume ads. Well, that's not what we're talking about here. Perfume. I mean, you're talking about sure kids and sure. perfume ads. Well, well, see, the thing is, is what's a kid? Someone under the age of 18. Okay. Um, the the by model, the law, the definition. models in these are somewhere in the neighborhood of 18 to 25. Okay. So how do they get? I mean, you have to work your way up in this business. Right. How do you get to the point when you're 18 years old of being in one of these ads? Well. You, you have, have to be to doing have, things beforehand. Right. You have to have been doing stuff beforehand. If this is what the models do as adults, then this is what the models need to be, be able to do as children. And now that's all being threatened. According to the Electronic Frontier Foundation, I don't know what the Department of Justice is trying, says Lee Tien. The best I can say is that it's puzzling that they would devote investigative and law enforcement resources to something like this. It's a far cry from what folks normally think of as child pornography. Now, I'm not saying that... Folks, people, when they see these photos um, at websites like ChildSupermodels.com, which again now offline, but um, but when you see these photos, there are certainly going to be people who are going to be offended by them, because uh, they are somewhat racy mm-hmm. in some cases. But is that child pornography? And if it isn't child pornography, do you think that pictures of children with their clothes on should be illegal? One eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Let's go. Uh, maybe, maybe, let, let, maybe just imagine like uh, a bathing suit shot. Or yeah, I would like imagine. That. I imagine that's what we are talking about. Is right. Bathing suits, suit shots with. Um, and I'm sure that if there's uh, these, some of them are modeling pictures. Then there's other websites out there that are simply doing it for lascivious purposes. If they're doing it for lascivious purposes, is it child porn? I 
don't think so. I mean, if they've got clothes on. I don't think you can have child porn unless you have sex. I mean, I, it's, it seems to me. I mean, suppose you have a uh, 16-year-old girl, 15-year-old girl. Um, gets, let's get crazy. 14-year-old girl. Um, and she's in a bathing suit, and they're taking pictures of her, I don't know, sort of bent over with her hand in her hip. You know, these some of these, uh, you know... Uh, Something well, so provocative. These, yeah, these provocative sort of uh, pictures, you know, or or having her, uh, you know, on her knees licking a lollipop. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I there you go. That's is, what we're talking about. Is here. it lascivious? Yes, I would say it's lascivious. Should it be illegal? I don't think it should. One eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. The websites kind of weird to want to look at it, but that prompted the indictments are now offline, but copies saved in Google's cache and through archive.org show the photographs in question depicting girls wearing everything from sweaters to more frequently swimsuits and midriff bearing attire. Parents appear to have given their consent. Now, Pearson's attorney, the photographer in this case, said he couldn't immediately comment because he was in court on Wednesday. A spokeswoman for the U.S. Attorney's Office confirmed that no nudity was involved in the questionable photos. Because no sex or nudity is involved, the prosecutions raise unusual First Amendment concerns that stretch beyond mere modeling-related websites. Children and teens in various degrees of undress appear in everything from newspaper underwear advertisements to the covers of Seventeen and Vogue. When actress and model Brooke Shields, for instance, was 15 years old, she appeared in a racy Calvin Klein jean advertisement featuring the memorable line, Nothing comes between me and my Calvins. She also appeared nude at 12 years old in an Oscar-nominated movie called Pretty Baby. There's more coming up. 800-259-9231. Should we outlaw anything that is even suggestive of sexuality when it comes to uh, women of the age of 18? And boys, too, I suppose. 800-259-9231. This is your show. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, the Saturday edition. You take control of the airwaves. Toll-free number 800-259-9231. The Packet 8 toll-free lines. 1-800-259-9231. For all your voiceover IP needs, head over to Packet8.net. It's Ian here with you. Hello. It's Ian here with you, Mark. And Mark. Are you doing a radio show tonight or what? There's some kind of weird noise going on here. Yeah, I heard that. It's coming from your laptop. Uh, 800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All of the we- all of the features on the site are completely free, and that does include archives. So if you've missed a moment of the show, go and get it for free online. An entire year's worth of archives right there, front page of the site at freetalklive.com. And get registered now for the New Hampshire Liberty Forum, Attaining Economic and Personal Freedoms in America's Freest State. This three-day event, February 23rd through the 25th, will be held convention-style in historic Concord, New Hampshire, with some of the program taking place in the State House. Register now at freestateproject.org slash libertyforum. That is freestateproject.org slash libertyforum. As we go to the phone, uh, to the phones, to the fun, talking about a, a pretty serious issue, an issue that's going to disturb a number of people, but I think it's something that should be talked about, because what we're looking at here is a federal, I believe a federal court case, that may determine, uh, that may expand the definition of child pornography out to include pictures of girls with their clothes on. As we go to the phones, to Matt in Illinois, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hello, Matt. Hello. Hey, what's on your mind? Uh, I just wanted to relate to you a story, something that happened to to us. By us, I mean me and my family about uh, ten years ago. Okay. It wasn't, it wasn't you know, much, but... It, it's something just to show the mindset here. Um, I got I got four kids, and at the time my youngest were about 
four and five years old, something like that. And we had one of those uh, little throwaway cameras. Mm-hmm. And my uh, my daughter, my daughter who was about five or six at the time, got a hold of it, started taking pictures of my my son who was maybe four or five in the bathtub. Okay. So we we had other pictures on this, and I wanted to get the film developed. My wife would not let me. She took the film and, uh, and threw it in the garbage because she did not want that film going to the uh, film processors and them seeing the naked kids because she didn't want to have to deal with the police mm-hmm. at all. I don't blame um, her. After all the stories we've heard of, yeah. after the stories we've heard of of parents being harassed, I mean, who knows? With your daughter taking the pictures, I don't know if you were supervising the entire time, but you've got a, what was it? Did you say, uh, how old was your daughter? Oh, she was about five or six at the time. Five or six yeah. taking pictures of the uh, four-year-old son. I mean, right. who knows? Maybe her pictures were too close for comfort. You know, maybe they were a uh, little pornographic. You know, she it, wouldn't have known any better. By somebody's definition, you know, it's a real shame because pictures are so valuable. People put a lot of um, emphasis on their pictures, and to lose some because they're scared. This family's scared that they're going to have some kind of law enforcement officer coming in and asking a whole bunch of questions. Mm-hmm. Chances are good, nobody to go to jail, but you never know. You never know. They've done it in the past. They sure have gone to jail in the past. They've, they've sat in there for months. Right, and and you know maybe my wife was was smart for doing that, um, and and I was dumb for wanting to get them. But I mean, Brian, years ago nobody would have ever thought anything of this. No, of course not. And and nowadays everybody's a pervert. Everybody is, you know, guilty of, of uh, sexual thought crimes, I guess. It's, a, it's uh, a frightening path that we're going down here, especially if this lawsuit goes th- or this uh, court case goes through and actually does make it illegal to possess pictures of children with clothes on. I mean, this is crazy well, stuff. And, and I've also heard that they're talking about making it illegal to even draw pictures if they're realistic pictures yep i've heard about that as well you know thought crimes that's a right that's such a strange that's such a strange area because they can draw pictures that are so graphic and and gross um you know that to me they would they would definitely be child pornography but they may not i don't know whether i'd want to see that illegal it's it's very weird stuff but i know what i certainly wouldn't want just stories written about it and that's the next step down you know well, it seems to me that you guys are always talking about who's gotten hurt. And, and yep. if you draw a picture, nobody's gotten hurt. Nobody's gotten hurt. Certainly not. I mean, unless you're using a model. But then you've got to catch them using the model. And right? in these in these cases, uh, you're talking about um, girls who are modeling with the permission of their parents. Everybody's doing a, it's a totally consensual act for everyone involved. And uh, thank you for the call. We appreciate hearing from you, Matt. Uh, 1-800-259-9231, the toll-free number for you, Packet 8 toll-free lines. To Justin in Washington, listening on KUSA. Hello, Justin. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hey, uh, I, the last caller's story is interesting, but in the age of digital cameras, you don't have to develop anything. So This is true. Kind of, if you're going to take pictures right. of your child in the bathtub, do it with a digital camera. But uh, I think I think it's... You know, all the talk about, I think free speech has gone way too far. I think there's, it's clear that there's a difference between a photograph of, let's say, a 13-year-old and a sexualization of a 13-year-old. Is I it mean, clear? If, if, if it wasn't clear, guys would be walking around 24 hours a day with the heart on. I mean, come on. Our mind can ser- clearly distinguish between sexually provocative material to the average person but it, and just well, a I, picture I, of a kid. I would agree teacher. with you. I to- totally agree that, that I can look at pornography and I can tell you this is pornography and this isn't. I can look at that and I can do that. But I'm telling you that law enforcement officers in this great nation of ours cannot 
because they can look at kids in a bathtub, children in a bathtub, and throw somebody in jail for months on end. So what you're proposing, what you're saying is, look, we need laws against this because I can tell the difference between what's pornography and what's not, and then we need people to enforce those laws. The people that enforce those laws cannot tell. I, I, can, I can easily defeat that argument because okay. we have a rating system. And if you're telling me we can't distinguish between what's gone too far and what's gone, you know, what's okay, then we should, we don't have any way to distinguish what's R, what's X. Wait a minute, we're talking about photographs. Hold on a second, we're talking. Wait, wait, wait. We're talking about photographs here. Are you now are you now suggesting we have ratings on every photo taken in America? I'm not. What I'm saying is though, we are able to make that distinction between R and X. So put on the screen. All right, fine. Why haven't we made that distinction up to this point? Then, up to this point, why are parents inter- being thrown in jails for taking pictures of their kids naked in bathtubs? How come that's happening? That's, I don't know why that's happening. I, because I, I, because I, think, I, think, I think the mass, the majority of those stories are, are like urban folk legends. No, 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 no. Urban no, no, folk are, legends sure, in sure newspapers? Few cases. I'm sure there are a few cases. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but sure what if are. one of those few cases was you, my friend? Okay. What if you okay, sat in jail for months over this, um, you know, this this great important p- child pornography law that uh, put parents in jail because they took pictures of their kids in bathtubs? I, I, that's wrong. But you're saying it's because, you know, you have half a dozen cases. Let's go back. Let's go back to the hell with it. The hell with it. Let's just have. You can have an eight-year-old sitting there uh, in a sexualized position, in a sexualized manner. And it uh, you know what? Here's the problem. Wait a minute, Justin. Here's the problem with what you're saying. Is this? Here's the problem with what you're saying. Is that you? What you say is sexualized may not be what other people think is sexualized. So let's go to uh, Mark's original scenario of the 14-year-old girl wearing a bathing suit, uh, maybe with a lollipop in her mouth and licking the lollipop sensually. Is that sexualized or no? To me, 14-year-old, eh, it's pushing it. Pushing um, it. Should the person who took that photograph be be punished? I, I would probably look into it, to be honest. You'd look into it? I, I would look into it. Well, you know, when they start, yeah, the way that, the way that cops look you're, into these you're things... You're making an emotional argument. I, it, you're, you're the one you're making an emotional it's argument. It's emotional when not. you get thrown in jail. See, it's an emotional I, issue. All laws are like that. You could say it about any law. I'm saying the fact that we are able to determine levels of, of behavior or images in all sorts of mediums, including video games and the movies, you're saying that it's impossible in a photograph. I I'm want you to explain that to me a little true. more when we come back. If you'll hang on, we'll bring you back. 800-259-9231. Should a picture of a 14-year-old girl in a bathing suit licking a lollipop be illegal? It's Free Talk Live. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free. But if you think other people deserve to hear this show, consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You take control. Toll free. 800-259-9231 is the packet. Eight toll free lines. 1-800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All of the features on the site are completely free, and that does include the Shrine of Female Listeners. Dozens and dozens of ladies have sent us their validated photo, some of them under the age of 18 even. At freetalklive.com, shrine.freetalklive.com will get you to it. Though I don't think any of the pictures on the shrine will, uh, I don't know. There are a couple of young ladies that are in a state of, of uh, unclothing. A certain, a certain level, level of undress. And we haven't done any age verification on this, Mark, so we could be in trouble here. 
Could be. Shrine.freetalklive.com to see what that's all about. Also, of course, you can join us uh, and enjoy all the other features on the site because they're completely free. Freetalklive.com as we go back to Justin in Washington, listening on KUSA. Justin, you're back on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Now, you were making a point before we went to break, and I kind of interrupted you because we're running short on time. So if you would just recap that, that would be excellent. Well, I said that uh, we are able to determine in film and music and all sorts of uh, entertainment medium uh, various levels of violence, of sexuality, and so to say that we can't do it in photographs, I just it doesn't make sense to me at all. Well, what about the sheer vol- – first off, there's a lot of money to be made in uh, video games and films. There's not a lot of money to be made in uh, Internet photography, you know, putting your pictures up on the Internet. Um, so who's going to pay for the board? Um, because the you know the movie Wait, ratings. He's system. not talking about having ratings board. You're not talking about having a photo ratings board. You're just saying that people can identify what is and what is not offensive. No, I'm saying that yes, I'm saying it is possible to identify or set a certain standard. And it's not to be black and white because it's not a digital thing. It's an analog thing. It's linear. It's it's, it's fluid. Uh, so it's not going to be as easy to identify. You know. Black, white, white, you know, red. So blue. you'll admit then, you, you'll agree then that what your standards are may be different from my standards, may be different from a 65-year-old woman's uh, standards. but that, it's irrelevant. Well, no, it isn't irrelevant because who's sure going to be in charge? Who's going to be I'll in charge of setting the standards? Even you, let's say you have a fully clothed 10-year-old girl on her knees in front of a guy, a 40-year-old guy's crotch, and he's in no shirt, let's say shorts, let's say boxers. Here you have a fully clothed, really clothed, she has, she has all her clothes on. But I think even you would say, yeah, that's probably pushing it. So, you know, to say that... Uh, it might be pushing it, but I would never suggest that person should be arrested for yeah. taking that photo. How long does that, you know guy, how long does that guy go you, to jail then for? Opened, then you have opened the door for what, what, is, what is currently happening. And the Internet sped this up tremendously. Once you sexualize a 16-year-old, the next step, because culture has to incorporate that as a norm, you then sexualize a 15-year-old then a 14, and now we're down to about 13, 12. And the next step, I guess, is, is you know, preteens. Who knows what the hell the next Look, step is. Look, I don't have a daughter. How about, the, how about the question of how long should the guy in the photo get in prison? I don't know if he should get any time in prison. I would look into it, though, because if you know anything <laughs> about the Internet, and I, and I do know about the Internet. I, I've been, you know, what, thir- mid-early 30s. been on the Internet forever. Photos like that are the, are, are the selling point to get into the guy's website. Who knows what the hell he's selling? So, yeah, I would look into it because you're not – the purpose of that photo is to sexualize. That's the purpose. That's the intention. What about so, uh, now? Ha, now hold on. Let's look at the the consenting parties involved here, because that 16 year old or 14 year old girl would not have been girl. taking those photographs. I think he said 10. Okay, well, let, we're starting at 14, okay? okay but even the 10-year-old so, girl would not have been taking those photographs. Hang on a second. The 10-year-old girl wouldn't have been taking those photographs were it not for her parents giving permission. Now, look, I don't have any daughters, but I'm not the one who's and, – and I I don't have them, but there are parents out there who allow their daughters at 10, 11, 12 years old to wear booty clothes. I mean, to wear clothes that's, uh, you know, say, porn star on the back of them. Should those parents be arrested and put in jail as well for sexualizing their daughters or for allowing their daughters to be sexualized? Of course not. No more than if you said a bunch of cuss words at home or racial things at home, you should go to jail. But if you said them in, in, in front of someone, uh, they're, they're probably going to say, hey, you know, arrest you for disorderly conduct. There's lots of things you do that are private and things you do commercially. But no, well, their well, daughters are walking around not in private. I, yeah. I they're walking that. around in public. I understand that. So you're now, okay with that? You're okay with oh, uh, oh, little girls that. wearing no, ne- next to nothing? Honest. It's just taking pictures of it? That's the problem? 
think parents are, are just stupid. But in that regard, should they be punished parents, for their should be should, should they, they be punished? I think there should be dress standards in like school. I don't think there is any law that says a dress standard in public other than nudity. So, so it becomes so the, becomes a problem when you take a picture of it. Then is what you're saying. Sure, just like if you have sex at home, it's no big deal. But you have sex in public, you've got an issue. So you're making these arguments that are well. The internet isn't really public. You have to go. You have to go places on the internet to to see certain things. Law that it is a public forum, no different than talking in a mall. That is standard law. If you wish to make the internet not public, you encrypt your things. So what would you like to see for? Okay, blah blah blah. What would you like to see for uh, the punishment here for these people taking pictures of uh, of teenage girls? I don't. I, I I'm not even saying. I'm not necessarily saying there should be a punishment. What I'm saying is, for you to just dismiss it, I think, is extremely dangerous. I think it's extremely dangerous for you to suggest that we should be looking into it I think, and thinking about punishing these I people. I think what I, what I said, what I said was that we, we should have, have that the laws should be very, very specifically written so that we know what the rules are and what the rules aren't. Because I'm very concerned about people going to jail, and they do, and it happens. It's happened many times, several times at the, at the very least, for go, for taking pictures of their babies in bathtubs. I want yeah, and specific I, and I'm more laws. I'm concerned about the exploited fourteen. The, Thousands, and you several times, okay, you said several times. So I'll just make it ten, just to triple your number. So I, I am more concerned about the thousands, if not tens of thousands, of young teens that we hear every day. We hear this easily, we hear several a month, cases of them being exploited. Because once that teen, that 14-year-old, is told, yeah, it's okay to be sexual in front of that camera, guess what? That 14-year-old is now exposed to an entirely different world. Who's doing right. the exploiting? Their parents? Okay. Yeah, well, yeah, but yeah. Well, the parents are just idiots. That's, they're just stupid. They're just looking but yeah, you, so you're a, you're outraged by the exploit so-called exploitation, but yet you don't want anything done about it? No, I I'm, I'm not saying I'm not sure anything can be done about it because the first amendment which originally existed to protect political activism is now No, sir. No, the first amendment uh, exists to protect speech, especially oh, unpopular right, speech, music. and thank you for the call. Yeah. We appreciate hearing from you. 800-259-9231. See, he doesn't understand the First Amendment. It's it's very simple. The reason why it was created was not to protect popular speech or popular religion or anything that didn't need protecting. It It is there to protect the things that make you uncomfortable. It's there to protect the neo-Nazis' speech. It's there to protect the, the photographs of teenage girls. It's there to protect all kinds of things that you might find offensive, but nobody's forcing you to go to these websites. Well, um, I, I, the freedom of speech, uh, is it, you're absolutely right. The freedom of speech is there to protect unpopular speech. But when you start talking about situations of... Uh, let's just, if you're talking about child porn, real live, honest to God child porn taken with children whose um, parents have agreed, then you've, you've stepped into a whole other realm. Mm -hmm. Then you're talking about real child exploitation that I think there should be laws for. And, okay. uh, you know, that's, and the point is, is, it is we have to figure out is the it, degrees. Is it exploitation when the 14-year-old and the 15-year-old girlfriend and boyfriend film themselves having sex? Uh, you know, um, at, I know what I know what's going. I'd say no, but I know what's going to happen when the law comes into play. Mm -hmm. The law is going to say yes, and they're both going to get child porn charges, and they're both going to have records. They're both going to be sex offenders, and they're both going to be tracked for the rest of their lives. Is it exploitation when a 14-year-old Jody Foster wearing revealing clothing played a preteen prostitute in Martin Scorsese's Taxi Driver? The suggestions were all over the place yes, about sex were. in that particular movie, and it's one of the the greats. 
Was it exploitation of uh, the young Jodie Foster at that time? And her parents? I'd say no. Sally Mann, named Time Magazine's Photographer of the Year in 2001, was attacked by critics for featuring nude images of her own children in a book called Immediate Family. Famed photographer Jock Sturgis's photos often feature nude boys and girls on the beaches of California and France, images that are far more revealing than those of swimsuit-clad youths. Are these all exploitation? Well, nudity is nudity exploitation, or is it only exploitation when there's sex involved? Because this guy that just called in believes it's exploitation when it's just a picture of a girl in a bathing suit. Well, he's he, but his point was it was sexualized pictures, and but it depends on who you ask. Absolutely, a, 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 a total perv can look at a, a a a picture of a girl in a bra and panties and say that's sexualized. I can look at it, and I can say that's a girl in a picture of a bra and panties. And I don't think there's necessarily anything sexual about it. When Britney Spears steps out of that car that she did earlier this week and gets photographed showing off her private areas, some people will disagree on that. We're going to come back with more. This is your show. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, your show, the Saturday edition. In the studio with you, it's Ian. And Mark. And you can join us on our website, freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are completely free. We do ask that you voluntarily support the show by buying some Free Talk Live stuff. Head over to store.freetalklive.com, and you'll get access to really neat products that we've now finally got our hands on for the first time, Mark. Uh, We've got Free Talk Live hats, uh, including just kind of two different styles of hats. There's one with different colors on it. The other one, kind of the the standard plain black cap. Uh, Plus, there's this, what do you you call it, a skull cap? Skully. Skully. Beanie. You you know, a beanie. Yeah. You know, the standard pull over your ears. Those are really cool. Real tight. Kind of northern winter right. hat thing. We've got those. There's uh, Free Talk Live t-shirts. There's the bowling shirt, the flag, uh, classic archive DVD sets, all there at store.freetalklive.com. So uh, get some shopping done there and buy some cool Free Talk Live stuff. We're talking about a, a federal court case that may actually redefine child pornography. And this could be really bad news for anybody who's ever taken a photograph of a teenager I think, obviously, we're talking mostly about female teens, but in some cases, male teens, I suppose, as well. For instance, maybe for an advertisement. Maybe for a Calvin Klein ad. They were talking about Brooke Shields when she was uh, 12 years old, appearing nude in a movie. How about uh, The Blue Lagoon? Brooke Shields in that film, uh, appearing naked throughout much of it. And uh, is that child pornography? Right. I mean, you know, there's a it, it can be a difficult situation in having people decide the difference between nudity and sexuality. I must I, I must agree. According to CNET, all that makes the distinction between legal child pornography and illegal child pornography is a particular subju- particularly subjective one. It may come down to, as the Justice Department's Alice Martin put it, seemingly ephemeral factors such as the poses the model strikes and the camera angles the photographer chooses. You can't codify this. You, well, you can't come up with uh, specific rules that can be broken when it comes to camera angles and the poses the model strikes. There are an infinite am- number of possibilities here. I think you might be right. It might, it might be, it would be very difficult to codify camera angles and, uh, you know, poses. It's going to come down to the old saying of, I know pro- pornography when I see it. I don't know which judge it was that was uh, quoted with saying that so long ago, but... That's that's how pornography is judged today. By I do the, know pornography when I see it. I mean, I must say, I I know what it is, and I don't want to have it, but 
I just sent you a link to a website. It's called TrueTeenBabes.com. I'm a little scared of even going on it with this. uh, this. Well, now, this particular website uh, drew the attention of local television reporters. Oh, my. Whose reporting sparked a police investigation, but a jury acquitted the operator of the website. And he subsequently filed a $10 million uh, wrongful arrest lawsuit. And his website is now back online. So there's sort of been mixed results with uh, these websites before, but you've seen those websites there. There's some girls in some very sheer, revealing clothing. Um, this Topless, is a, but you can't see the important parts. You can't see their areola. Right, yeah. So you, they're, they're very revealing, and I would say sexually suggestive, but is it Ill- should it be illegal? You're looking at it right now. Should, should what you're doing right now be illegal? Um, it should be darn close. So what would the what well, should the punishment be? In, in my be? case, I'm looking for for completely, uh, lab, uh, you know, just I'm I'm just checking this out to see whether or not I think yes, it you're be doing uh, research <laughs> for talk radio. But I gotta say, man, I don't I don't like the idea of these pictures being out there. Yeah, well, they're out there, and uh, they're out there for a reason because people are demanding these photos. You think this guy would have his website up for as long as he does if he didn't have a large amount of people subscribing to it? You think those people that are subscribing to websites like this are just going to go away because a new law is passed? Do you think that this guy might move his site to a, uh, a server in uh, Belarus or something like that? In New Zealand or some other place, you know, some somewhere far, far away, far away from uh, U.S. law? You think that just because you outlaw pictures like this, it's going to go away? And what about the ramifications on the legitimate so-called modeling industry. What about the photos that you see in magazines like Seventeen, yeah. where you've got teenage girls in their underwear? Now, they may be underwear advertisements, but nonetheless, somebody who was uh, a pervert might look at that and uh, and get off. Oh, boy. I, I, I'm done looking at this website. 1-800-259-9231. So back to the uh, CNET, the same section of federal law punishes a pedophile who makes a video recording of a baby being molested, as well as someone who possesses an image of a 17-year-old striking an unlawfully racy pose. The explanation for that lies in the criminal statute called 18 U.S.C. 2252A, which Pearson is accused of violating. This is one of the photographers involved in this case. Child pornography is defined as, quote, the lascivious exhibition of the genitals or pubic area of any person under 18 years old. Under a 1994 case called U.S. v. Knox, judges interpreted that language to mean either images of nude minors or of minors having sex. In that case, however, the U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals extended that definition to include videotapes of girls in leotards and upheld Stephen Knox's conviction on child pornography charges. Quote, the genitals and pubic area of young girls were once were certainly on display as the camera focused for prolonged time intervals on close up views of these body parts through their thin but opaque clothing. Additionally, the obvious purpose and inevitable effect of the videotape was to attract notice Specifically to the genitalia and pubic area, applying the plain meaning of the term lascivious exhibition leads to the conclusion that nudity or discernibility are not the prerequisites for the occurrence of an exhibition within the meaning of the federal child pornography statute. So that essentially says that, according to current law, maybe you don't have to be nude yeah. to violate the child porn laws. Girls can girls can just be in sheer clothing looking sexy. Sheer clothing, close-up shots, you've got child porn, apparently. But it could be getting worse. Courts have also looked to a 1986 case 
uh, for guidance on what's lascivious and what's not. Among the factors they are evaluating are whether the focus is on the genitalia or pubic area, whether the image suggests sexual coyness, and whether the visual depiction is intended or designed to elicit a sexual response in the viewer. So because a judge looks at a picture and says, oh yeah, that's sexual, does that mean that he's had a sexual response to it? If you've got a picture of Britney Spears stepping out of the car with uh, no panties on, as have been spread all across the Internet, um, she's now 25, of course, but when she started her career, she was under the age of 18. If you've got pictures of Britney Spears stepping out of a car and uh, her entire genital area is revealed for all to see, is that sexual? And because a judge finds it sexual, does that mean that everybody finds it sexual? How is it that we can put these definitions and determinations in the hands of one person? And if the judge finds that sexual, doesn't mean that he should be convicted, too, for looking at child pornography? Oh, but he can do it because he's a judge, right? Well, what about, um, can't somebody look at pictures of sex and say that's not sexual? I can't see how you could look at pictures of sex and say that's not sexual. It's clearly sexual because sex is going on. What we're talking about is photos where sex is not occurring. Right. You've got a girl licking a lollipop. Nudity isn't even occurring. And I'd have to say that it... As much as I'm disturbed, and I'm still sitting here disturbed by the uh, pictures that I just saw on the internet, I I, I can't see that 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 it should be illegal. I can't. They're, see they're it having be enough of a tough time going after the child pornographers, the ones who really are forcing children into having sex on videotape and that sort of thing. The girls involved in the photos we're talking about are doing it with their parents' permission. So because you you have a different moral system than some parents in America means that those other parents should be forced into jails? That's what we're talking about here. It, you know, is it I, exploitation? Well, what I don't like the idea is is that somebody's doing something that they think is right, okay, legal, um, they're within the bounds of the law, and then they get swooped down upon by the authorities, mm-hmm. and their lives are thrown into turmoil. Because the problem is, is um, you know, you can sit up on your high horse all you want and talk about, well, this stuff's obvious. But when, but you know, when the authorities get involved, it's not obvious. Um, they have a tendency to swoop in on whomever they want, and then your life's really in disarray. I mean. To say tens of thousands of dollars is probably accurate as to what you're going to defend, you know, pay to defend yourself in these cases. In some cases, over a hundred thousand dollars to be able to defend yourself for something that you thought was okay, was legal, was fair. I I don't want people to be left in this gray area, mm-hmm. and it's always the gray area that gets attacked. I mean, or you know, obviously the people that are doing child porn pictures, fine, throw their butts in jail. Um, whereas you know, girls in 90s. Lingerie? Yeah, I mean, they don't look like modeling pics to me. They just look like pics, you know, pics that are, they're sexualized pics. Yeah, they, you, you could certainly say they are sexualized. I mean, a teenage girl in lingerie, I think most people would agree that they're sexualized. But don't the decisions of the parents come into factor here? If the parents feel like this is going to help their their children... Uh, get into the modeling business down the line, or if this is just something that they want to do or their children. I mean, obviously, the girls are voluntarily uh, voluntarily doing it. I highly doubt they're having the, them do it at gunpoint. 1-800-259-9231. Where should the line be drawn? Because the line's currently drawn somewhere around nudity and sexualization. But now we're talking about drawing it over somewhere else entirely. Somewhere around lingerie... Girl with a lollipop, 
I mean, what is what is and what should not be what should and should not be illegal? 800-259-9231. Hour number two is on the way. It's your show, Free Talk Live. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You take control of the airwaves toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the Packet 8 toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All of the features on the site are completely free, so enjoy them at freetalklive.com. We start things out by going to the phones. To the fun, at least hopefully, Steve is still hanging on patiently. Steve calling from New York. Steve, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. What's up, guys? Hey, what's on your mind? Uh, yeah, maybe we should just um, outlaw bathing suits and lollipops. You know? uh, apparently so, because a photograph, we were talking about this last hour, a photograph of a teenage girl in a bathing suit licking a lollipop may become illegal soon if the federal government has its way. Yeah, really. Is this, well, is this I didn't want to um, change the subject or anything like that. I really don't actually get to listen to your live broadcast too much. I'm pretty much a podcast listener. Well, it but, is Free uh, Talk Live, so you can call in right. about anything. So what's on your mind? Well, I just actually uh, called to say uh, that I hereby state my solemn intent to move to the state of New Hampshire. I just uh-huh. signed up for the uh, Free State Project. So. Wow, well, um, congratulations to you on that one. I basically, I basically uh, took a week off from work. Uh, last October, I've been thinking about it for the past year, and I just wanted to tell all your listeners that, uh, you know, just because you haven't been to the state, I'll tell you what, it's probably one of the most enjoyable weeks of my life. I uh, just basically took a map, got in my Jeep, and just drove around the state for a whole week. And uh, i got to say, the thing that impressed me most was the people. You actually really. had a chance to meet some Free State Project members while you came up? Actually, no. Uh, really? <laughs> No, I actually I just talked to you know some local people that I just met in you know bars or where I was eating or whatever you know, but uh, just real genuine people, very uh, liberty minded. They are. It's really but, amazing that uh, that it, it, it's amazing that these people understand concepts of liberty like they do. I'm not saying that they um, they they understand not scholars. The, they're on not it. scholars. They're not libertarians, right. but they want the government out of their lives. Right. They know government. They sort of inherently know that more government is a bad, bad thing up here, and and it's just so refreshing to feel that, uh, especially when you come from a place like Florida or New Jersey or anywhere else in this country right. where it's like, hey, we can't have enough government. Right. And I mean, I talk to people from you know all over the political spectrum. Really, I mean, it's just what one common theme was. Yeah. Yeah. We got you know our government's too big and. Got to do something about it, and uh, yeah, most yeah, of the, it, it seems like the response that Free State Project members get up here is welcome. Um, where you know what's taken you so long to get here? Because there, they do know New Hampshire residents do know that there are a lot of people coming in from New York, Massachusetts, uh, specifically that are moving in and pushing for bigger government. So now is the time more than ever uh, to become part of the Free State Project and also sign the first 1,000 pledge. Did you do that? No, I didn't, but uh, I'm trying to swing it. You know, it's, uh, it's you know, I'm looking at my life and I've got to get out of this job I'm in. It's kind of a rut, so you know, it's uh, basically when I when I can uh, get a get a foothold on things, I'm I'm actually thinking about doing that as well. But uh, like right. I said, it took me about a year 
I don't think I'm not taking it too lightly, as you can tell. Understood. Well, you got about you've got about too. 30 more days to sign up for the first 1,000 right. pledge because it ends at the end of this year. And Steve, we look forward to seeing you in New Hampshire, hopefully sooner rather than later. Thanks for the call. Well, listen, yeah, you still there? Uh, uh, yeah, actually, I was just going to say I wanted to uh, say thanks to whoever's uh, whoever had that bumper sticker of uh, the uh, of your guys' station or your guys' talk show on the back of their car because that's how I actually found out about you guys. So what? Free talk uh, I've been live? Ever yep. since. People made them. Somebody made yeah. their own bumper sticker, right? That's um, fantastic. Yeah, it was it was uh, FTL, and then it had the the uh, what do we call it? the your your uh, the logo? Uh, your actually, the it was, I don't know what the logo is. It's a telephone, I guess. Yeah, we got the hand busting through the right, chains with right, the phone right, in right. it. Well, now we actually have the official Free Talk Live bumper sticker, and I'm glad you brought that up. Steve, thank you for the call. We appreciate it. 800-259-9231. The bumper stickers just came in two days ago. I've got a stack of them here, and I just shipped out, uh, shipped out a good 20 or so um, to people that had sent us their self-addressed stamped envelope. And They're sweet. Yeah, they're very nice, very high quality. A nice yellow, bright yellow, yellow and black are our logo color, so it'll get attention as right. well. Is all you have to do is go to the uh, website at freetalklive.com, and our address is right there. Yeah, right there. I updated the site tonight with our address, so uh, head over to freetalklive.com to get yourself your hands on the very free Free Talk Live bumper sticker. All right, so uh, continuing here, uh, just a little bit more information on this story about the federal government looking to crack down on photographs of teenagers. Teenage, a teenage girl in her bathing suit licking a lollipop on the beach. Apparently, that's too sexual for the federal government. Apparently, that may become illegal, which may put the entire child modeling industry in jeopardy. Because nobody's going to know how to tread. Nobody's going to know what is what is and what is not too much. Right. Um, for instance, in our industry, um, everything changed after Janet Jackson's boob was exposed and, mm-hmm. uh, several years ago at the Super Bowl. Um, and, you know, Howard Stern got sued. And, and now the radio station's policy is, if in doubt, leave it out, which means... They're, you know, they're way on the other side. They don't want to get fined these the $350,000 or whatever it is that they're going to get fined. Which may mean that teenage girls are going to be left out of, of the modeling, modeling industry. Or, and teenage boys, too. Th- to a lesser extent, yes. Um, and also, our board op makes a great point, because we were talking about last hour. Well, when you're talking about a teenage girl being photographed for modeling purposes and put on the Internet or put in a magazine... You're talking about somebody who's had uh, permission from their parents. In many cases, direct oversight from parents uh, as to whatever photos are taken and approved and that sort of thing. A lot of parents get uh, really involved, heavily involved in that. And he could, uh, our board op sort of suggested that, well, what about MySpace? What about when you've got teenage girls taking pictures of teenage girls and without a modeling agency involved, without parents involved, and putting up, say, uh, you know, they, let's say the teenage girls are having a lingerie party with themselves on uh, a Saturday night one don't, night. Don't act like it doesn't happen. Yeah, don't act like it for a moment. And somebody pulls out the digital camera, takes flick, snaps flick, a flick. few photos of uh, teen girls in their uh, teenage lingerie and puts them up on MySpace. Is MySpace going to be responsible for that? Of course not. They've no, they have no way of policing the hundred million profiles or however many fifty five million seventy million I don't I don't know how much they're up to now it's a lot they've got a lot of people on there there's they don't have the staff to to parse through all the photos there they have a system where you can report offensive photos and then they'll go and investigate it and check it out and ban the accounts if necessary but wouldn't it be the responsibility of the photographer in this case another teenage girl right. 
Are we going to start locking teenage girls up in jail because they violated the federal laws as well? Oh, and speaking of the federal laws, here's an interesting detail we didn't get to. Who do you think's behind the Child Modeling Exploitation Prevention Act? Um, uh, the, the American Television Council. Representative Mark Foley in 2002. Oh, no. Yes, that's <laughs> right. Killing me. The man who was caught uh, having dirty, sexy conversations with teenage boys on the internet is your one crusading fighter against child modeling services. I mean, this is who's leading the charge. Or was. Was leading the charge. One of the primary perverts in Congress. Hmm. So, really, all of it's questionable, if you ask me. All of it is just, it's just amazing that this is happening in the United States. He would know that these uh, photos are sexualized. I don't know. He's kind of into the the boys, so. Well, he'd know the boy pictures. Right, right. Definitely tell which ones are sexualized and which ones aren't. I would imagine that if there's girls uh, out there like I saw on that website that we just looked at, mm-hmm. what was the name of it? TrueTeenBabes.com. There's got to be TrueTeenBoys.com out there. There may be something like that. It's called the non-nude teen modeling industry. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the, the purpose is to essentially skirt the law and publish uh, the photos of a sort of suggestive basis, and they get a lot of subscriptions. But I was looking at that website. There's a message from the publisher down at the bottom about the coverage he's getting from radio stations and TV stations, and he points out that there are art books, so-called art books, where you can go into Barnes & Noble and Amazon and uh, your local borders, your local bookstore, go to the art section, and look for certain books that have totally nude photos of children in them. And these are sold by multinational corporations, published and promoted by big companies. But yet, for some reason, because he's got a girl on his website who's clothed, he's the one that should get in trouble? Does it make sense at all? Is it somehow more sexual? Is it, is it more sexual to have a 14-year-old girl in lingerie than it is to have a naked 14-year-old girl? Is one of them worse than the other? Well, I can see that there's I can see that there's art photos and I can see there's pornography. I can tell the difference for me. But you know, I I, I know that once the uh, the law gets in play that people are going to get hurt. 1-800-259-9231 coming up office parties. Want to hear your stories? Office party hell stories, crazy stuff that happened. If you've got them, 800-259-9231. This is your show, Free Talk Live. Show is Free Talk Live, the live Saturday edition. You can take control of the airwaves. Bring up whatever you want. Toll free, 800-259-9231. That's the Packet 8 toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are completely free, and that does include the wiki, W-I-K-I dot freetalklive.com, wiki.freetalklive.com. Get you to it. Over 850 unique pages created by listeners like you. And uh, you can get on there and edit the wiki to your heart's content. But then somebody else can get on after you and change it back if they want to. So it's interesting dynamic there. Wiki.freetalklive.com. And Free Talk Live is brought to you by the Free State Project's First 1000 Pledge. Are you just going to talk about freedom or are you going to start living it now? Learn how the First 1000 Pledge can make it happen today at freestateproject.org. That is freestateproject.org. Well, it's that time of year again, Mark. The time of year... Where if you work for a corporation or a local business, um, there's a good chance you're going to have a office party. Oh, yes. And last year we, uh, we brought this topic up and it sort of bombed out. 
But when we first started uh, doing the show four years ago, it was an incredibly popular topic. So I don't know if it just had to do with who happened to be listening, but uh, here it is, our Saturday show. We've got the most affiliates on tonight. So I figured it'd be the best time to ask the question. Do you have an office party hell story? An office party embarrassment story. An office party... Any good office party story. Just anything interesting that occurred at your office party. Because odds are good, if you've been to enough of them, you've seen something pretty crazy. Yeah. There's... um there's always alcohol involved, and uh, people, you know, let down their guard, and they might have been thinking about something about somebody for quite some time, and, you know, it can either be a brawl, it can be uh, somebody getting caught in a closet. This stuff happens. Oh, yes, it does. And uh, so if you've got an embarrassing, interesting, outrageous, uh, et cetera, office party, 1-800-OFFICE-PARTY-STORY, 800-259-9231. I'm going to jump into the office party topic here in a moment, but Frank is on the line in New York. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian How Mark. How are you doing, guys? Good, Frank. What's anyway? Yeah, I just turned on the uh, computer and heard uh, the discourse regarding the MySpace.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it just struck me as... Uh, very strange that right now we don't seem to be defining the terms legally, like what is pornography? Is it lewd and lascivious, or is it just a photograph of the person? It's an excellent question, and I think uh, the pornography is certainly in the eye of the beholder, but what does the law say, of course? Well, you know, some some weirdo could see just a fully clothed person and view that as sort of pornographic. That's correct. But the point is, under the law, uh, certain requirements have to exist and what i think is very interesting right now is the fact that if the great painters of the renaissance or the enlightenment or even the uh, victorian pre-raphaelites were painting cherubs in their studio in the year 2006 they may be viewed as creating pornography it's possible Yeah, and it's very strange. So I think right now what we have to do is, A, have a national age of consent, and I think under the law uh, to have work published or to be uh, a model, I think you have to be 18 or get parental consent. Right. All of the pictures we're talking about, and there was an entire hour on this on the first hour, we're talking about um, teenage models – and many of them in lingerie or bathing suits and that sort of thing who have the consent of their parents. That's true, because in the fashion industry, most of the models are between the ages of 17 and 24. Okay. So you would assume that even you know some of the models that are do- doing lingerie on the runway could be minors, but the point is they would have parental or a guardian give consent for them you know, to, to do that. But if the majority says that parents shouldn't be able to give consent for these types of photos, should that be good enough? Should we create a law that prevents any parents, any set of parents and their t- uh, child um, from engaging in these types of photos? In a republic like ours, we have to protect the rights of the individual so that even a minority's rights are protected. So in a sense, the majority shouldn't really play into that. That's where the letter of the law and the law is so important, because that ultimately will determine what is legal and what is illegal. And what we're looking at happening here is a federal case that uh, it may actually expand the definition of so-called child porn to include pictures of teenage girls and boys in a bathing suit licking a lollipop, which I think is really just outrageous. Yeah, that really does seem to be. that. That's, again, what, what Americans tend to do very quickly. They tend to get very hyped up 
with a short attention span and then attempt to throw the baby out with the bathwater. And I think the baby have, being freedom of speech. That's correct, or or freedom of artistic expression. Sure. You know, and I think those are real issues. But getting back to office parties, yes. having taught in the university for a number of years, uh, all I can say is this. Many fine academic careers were ruined at the Christmas office or the really? holiday really? office Really? Really? Give me one what, example. What With, Hold on. What happens? I mean, what happens to their career if they get caught? Well, you know, with with all the politically correct uh, discourse and sort of uh, uh, behavior that's that's sort of required, you know, after a few glasses of champagne or uh, wine, even if it's wine, you know, from the carton as opposed to the bottle, uh, you know, academic careers can really, uh, you know, be shortened. Well, t- tell <laughs> give me an example. Give me something that. juicy, Frank. Give me an, uh, give me a story. What happened? Well, I can remember when I was teaching uh, in New Jersey, and they had the uh, faculty office party. And, you know, after basically uh, really bad music, and uh, I don't want to say bottles of wine, but I would say cartons of wine. Okay. uh, You know, and individuals that are very quiet and, and sort of meek, after about two and a half hours of that, you know, they become very assertive and bold. And uh, all I can say is not drinking myself, just sort of like drinking water and watching. Uh, It's amazing to see, you know, how the inebriation sets in and how people are very quick to criticize and to make statements that, you know, come back to haunt them. And I assume that also happens in the corporate world. But, you know, in academia, the pay is so poor that, you know, they have sort of a different structure of what what is uh, prestigious or... Uh, what is important, and as a result, people are very petty in academia. Really? And oh, absolutely. And when you see department chair people sort of taking notes uh, during the office party, you know <laughs> that things are about to change. Not necessarily for the best. So I would just advise all of those holiday revelers uh, to be very careful at the office party very when good. the liquor is flowing. Always a good idea because you don't want your subordinates making notes. Frank, thanks for the call. We appreciate Bye-bye. it. Not as juicy as I'd hoped for. And I know you have a better story at 800-259-9231. Now, my my wife has invited me to um, her office party for the uh, uh For the retail the store that she works at? Yeah, that's right. And she... um. It's going to be at a bowling alley, and okay. the, of course we'll be the bowling alley around right, here. The, the bowling alley, <laughs> and um, it, it, fortunately that doesn't put it in a secluded place. There'll be the public involved, right? But uh, you know there'll be alcohol and that kind of thing. But uh, the one thing she made me promise was I'm not allowed to talk politics with any of her coworkers. Oh, that's no fun. Yeah, well, I, you know she had to sit through me uh, talking to some guy at breakfast at the, the you know the breakfast bar and uh, you know telling him that his uh, solutions for parking were violent. Well, I want to hear your story. 800-259-9231. Maybe it was something at the office party that involved you. Maybe it happened to you. Maybe it was something that you, unfortunately, did and suffered some consequences from. Or maybe you were, as Frank was, the impartial observer. Maybe you stayed completely sober and just observed some of the most outrageous silly or uh, possibly dangerous things going on. Want to hear your story at 800-259-9231. It is your show, Free Talk Live. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. 
This is Free Talk Live. It is the live Saturday edition, and it's Ian here with you. And Mark. You can take control of the airwaves. Bring up whatever's on your mind at 800-259-9231, the Packet 8 toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We've got updates. You get signed up for the updates, and we'll clue you in whenever there's something fresh to announce about the show. Updates dot freetalklive.com. Though, yeah, and of course you can take control of the airways, bring up what you want, but what I would like to hear is office party stories. It's that time of year, and it doesn't have to be from this year's office party. Maybe something from a long time ago. Maybe something that happened to you or happened to a coworker or a close friend. Give us your worst or your best office party hell stories, funny stories, outrageous stories, because all kinds of different things happen when you put a variety of people who aren't really friends... Because when you work with people, you're not really friends with them unless you actually spend time with them outside of work doing non-work-related things, in my opinion. They're kind of work friends or associates, right? So interesting things happen when you put this group of strangers, essentially, together, uh, or semi-strangers together, and give them alcohol. So do you have a story? 800-259-9231. ABC News reporting on it. The annual office party, uh, office holiday party conjures images of drunk co-workers, uncomfortable secret Santa gift exchanges, cringe-worthy karaoke, and awkward business blather. Most people escape unscathed, relieved that the annual ordeal is over. But stories about employees who don't behave are passed around long after the party's over. Besides, their embarrassment, drunken antics can even jeopardize their careers. Mm-hmm. Nicole Chavez, 25, an accountant for a financial services firm in Chicago, had only been working at her new job for a few months before her office party. Since I'm a bit shy, I was hoping the party would be a good way to loosen up and get to know my coworkers better, said Chavez. Of course, when there's an open bar beginning at 4 p.m., wanting to oh. loosen up became getting wasted and losing all inhibitions. As the night progressed and Chavez got more and more inebriated, she called her boss's work phone number and had a coworker leave a message for the boss saying that she wouldn't be make it uh, wouldn't wouldn't be making it into work the next day. Quote, he promptly left some rambling message about how Nicole is probably going to call in sick. You work her too hard, she needs a vacation anyway, said Dear Nicole. God. When Chavez did return to work, she was understandably embarrassed, but even more so when her department serenaded her by playing back the several messages that she left for her boss. Later, to add insult to injury, <laughs> pictures from the party were released, and there were two of me downing a glass of wine, which was promptly printed and displayed on my coworker's wall for several months. Luckily, <laughs> everyone was relatively good-natured about the whole thing. One of the most obvious office party faux pas is overindulging at the company-funded open bar. Typically, the formula goes something like this. Take an office full of coworkers, add alcohol, and hilarity ensues. You know, th- that's, that's really the bad news. Open bars are bad news. Because $5 drinks generally keeps people from You're restricted from drinking too much. But free alcohol, that's when the crazy stuff happens. I don't care if it's weddings or office parties or conventions. Well, the bosses must know this, right? I mean, the bosses must sort of get a kick out of seeing their employees. But in everybody that state. likes an open bar. I mean, sure. open bar is great news. When you hear it, he's like, open bar? Yeah! And I guess it's one way to get people to attend the office party, I suppose, is by advertising that. Fact. And I don't think I drink any more at an open bar than I would otherwise, but. You know, alcohol is not my problem. Right. You're not an alcohol, uh, an alcoholic. Or, or I'm not somebody who loses control on alcohol either. It's just, it's just not my problem. That's certainly, uh, I bet if we gave you enough, you'd lose control. Oh, absolutely. Right. If, but you'd sort of have to force it on me. I mean. Got it. 
That's certainly what happened with Chavez, and she's not alone. A recent survey conducted by a professional women's group found that drinking too much was the number one regret of women at their office parties. Sixty percent of the women surveyed changed their opinion of a co-worker after witnessing alcohol-fueled hijinks. Rachel, at a, uh, Rachel, a New York fashion designer, told ABC News that at one holiday office party where she'd had too much to drink, she started asking her co-workers if they had any marijuana. That was kind of embarrassing the next day, she said. Quote, at any sort of cocktail party, you don't want to be that guy or girl, the one that just goes over the top and gets hammered and has sex with her boss or someone's sister, said David Wallach, a TV producer and co-author of Etiquette for Outlaws. On the other hand, I do think that office parties present you with a really good opportunity to sort of navigate uh, different work cliques that you don't normally associate yourself with. If your boss totally parties and you can party with him at the office party, I do think that raises your status. But I would Wallach, agree. Wallach's Etiquette for Outlaws co-author Rob Cohen thinks drunkenness and office parties go hand in hand. For instance, if there's no alcohol, it's like being at work on your free time. Watching people get drunk and act like um, jerks is the reason to go to an office party, <laughs> said Cohen. However, I, if I was to attend one and... Trying to think. You know, I don't think I've ever been to an office party because every year that the, the Clear Channel or my, whatever radio company I was working for had one, I was always the guy that had to work. I thought you uh, made an appearance at one of them. Like I you think I did in. stop in for for a moment. Uh, you know, I, I must say that I've had plenty of bo- bosses that do party, and when you don't party, you're just kind of lame as far as they're concerned. Mm. You don't have that killer instinct. You don't have the eye of the tiger or is whatever it, better it is. If you're not a partier, and I'm not a drinker, so for instance, if I had shown up, was it best for me to just stop in and leave as opposed to just hang around and not be part of the party? Not be a partier, not be a drinker, a reveler? I don't think it would matter much um, if you sort of sit on the fringe and don't do much. I don't think anybody really thinks about that. Would it be better to not show up at all? I mean, you're saying it could it could damage your uh, your rep if the boss is a partier. Well, the reason the reason I'm saying that is because I have a tendency to really sort of get in with people, and I have mm-hmm. the you know I, I think people might guess that I would be a bit of a partier and that kind of thing. But when, you know, I've had two drinks and I'm ready to go to sleep and they're just getting warmed up, you know, that it, it just shows the difference. It, it, um, whereas if you're sort of quiet and I, I, have a, I have a feeling that if you would have gone to these office parties, you wouldn't have really been talking to anybody. Oh, no, I, I went around and talked to people because I like talking with uh, drunk people. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, actually, now I am. it is coming back to me. I have been to one of them uh, where I did hang around for a little while and uh, I had a good time because everybody else was wasted and I enjoy observing. Uh, another awkward holiday office party tradition, exchanging gifts. Draw a name and buy a present that you find appropriate for your coworker. Secret Santas, as they're called. Susie Parker, 26, of Los Angeles, who works in nonprofit fundraising, said the annual ritual at her office party is just plain awkward. Quote, everyone watches as you open your gift and you have to hide your disappointment when you find out that the weird guy in the cube next door pulled your name in an exchange. One man in her office gave a woman a coworker a glow-in-the-dark Felix the Cat t-shirt. I know you like cats, he told her, though the woman was actually allergic to them. Now, these secret Santas, obviously, what do you expect, right? There's, you're getting a gift from a total stranger. Right. It's, it's hard enough to get gifts right when you know somebody. $10 junk. Right, and as far as I'm concerned, I think if you get a fun gift, a funny gift, then that's better than anything else. Because right. then at least you can re-gift it to somebody. I don't think a glow-in-the-dark Felix the Cat t-shirt's that bad. Well, then you can re-gift it to somebody else the next year. So yeah. that way it doesn't bo- it doesn't matter who you picked. I'd probably just wear the that same thing, thing all the time. A glow-in-the-dark <laughs> Felix the Cat shirt sounds pretty good to me. Well, gag gifts, according to Peter Post, author of the uh, director of the Emily Post Institute, author of The Etiquette Advantage in Business, Personal Skills for Professional Success, he says gag gifts should be avoided, actually. 
And uh, according to Mr. Post, what's off limits is anything that smacks of being personal or suggestive. Good gifts that don't have to fraught. Uh, good gifts that don't have to fraught with the trouble. Instead, gift gifts like food baskets, plants, or tickets to the movies. Yeah, what if you don't like plants? I, I say give a che- give a cheesy gag gift. I mean, but everybody who cares. Plants are okay. All are highly appreciated, and none of them carry the baggage of a gift that's somehow embarrassing or insults a person one way or the other. Pen. Pen's a good gift. But for an office party, sure, that's, that's always good. But employees aren't the only people who could use etiquette lessons. Sometimes the bosses could use a little help as well. During one New York-based magazine company's holiday festivities, the firm's president stood up to make an announcement, according to an editor who attended the, the event. The employees were expecting him to make a toast. Instead, he gets up there, and after thanking us for all the hard work we do, he tells us he's selling the business, which leaves us with the question of what if it doesn't sell? We sort of all knew that we were going to lose our jobs. Negative announcements at holiday parties are a big no-no, says Post. The party, by its very nature, is meant to be a team-building exercise. But from a company's point of view, throwing the party is giving something out without asking anything in return, and then to dilute that with an announcement like that is absurd. Positive company announcements, like a bonus, can be made at office social functions, but negative announcements should be saved for the business day, he said. But not surprisingly, Post's number one tip, watch the alcohol. There's more trouble that happens from drinking and then having to apologize for boorish behavior. What people forget is that the office party is still a business social event, and it has to do with your business, and it reflects on you when you're back in the office. 800-259-9231 reminds me of the uh, the parties we went to at the talk radio conventions, and some of the people there getting a little too tipsy. Hammered, that yeah. would be the term that I would use. More on the way, you take control of the airwaves, bring up anything, especially your office party stories. 800-259-9231, it is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You take control of the airwaves toll-free, 800-259-9231. It is the live Saturday edition, and it's Ian here with you. And Mark? You can take control of the airwaves. Bring up anything. 800-259-9231, the packet 8, toll-free lines. You can also join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All of the features on the site are completely free. We ask that if you like Free Talk Live... If you like the fact that we give away all the features on the website for free, then maybe you should head over and vote for the show. Go to vote.freetalklive.com. Cast your vote for Free Talk Live. It's a once-a-month sort of thing. So it's not like you have to go every day or every other day to vote. Just once a month. Head over to vote.freetalklive.com. It'll take you maybe a minute. All you need is an email address. You will not be spammed. Your email address will not be sold. Vote.freetalklive.com. We're currently ranked at number two, the number two podcast in the world Yes, we are, and, and I, I can't say I'm real happy about it. What, what do you mean? I like to be number one. Well, number two is pretty good, considering the competition. There's something like 25,000 podcasts. But yes, we could be number one if you went and voted at vote.freetalklive.com. And then ask a few friends to do it as well. You know, Mark, uh, it's not like, you know, I wonder when we do this topic, the office party topic. Now we're going to talk a little inside radio here at this point, because i got to say I'm a little disappointed in our listenership on this one. Saturday nights are the most listened-to nights on Free Talk Live. We have the most radio stations on board, in some made, in some fairly large markets as well. Well, people don't want to reveal all I guess that's dirty what little it secrets. Is. Call in and use a different name. Okay, don't even have to tell us what city you're in. Make it all up, but tell us the real story about what happened at your office party. And it doesn't have to be this year. In fact, probably many of them haven't happened this year yet. So, of course, when your office party does happen this year and something outrageous happens, definitely call in and share that with us. But you know the stories that you can hopefully remember from years back. 
you've got them. We know you've got them. If you if you work, and I'm pretty sure most of the people that are listening to this show work, and you've been to an office party, odds are good you've got an outrageous story. Now, I don't know what it's going to take to get them out of you, except maybe sharing a few other stories from some other people. 1-800-259-9231. I'm thinking maybe the reasons we aren't getting calls on this is because maybe talk radio listeners really are a bunch of boring old political hacks, which I don't think is true. You want to talk about Muslims. Or maybe they think that this is not a live show on this here Saturday evening, in which case it is. But it's, um, I mean, it, it's a show about Christmas office parties, and we're in the Christmas season. What right. could it be? It's here. It's a live show. We're, I mean, it's not like we're running over, uh, rerunning from the week past. We're here, and we want to hear from you at 800-259-9231. To the BBC, they've collected a few stories from some of their readers about what happened to them at their office parties. Uh, Dave in the United Kingdom says, I stopped doing Christmas dues ten years ago, but I'm reminded of a corporate party where a young Scots programmer seated at the table with then-female personnel manager became more and more annoyed with her attitude. Now our hero was wearing a kilt, as is the tradition for smartly dressed occasions. Come the end of the evening, our man stood up somewhat unsteadily and walked to behind the lady in question, lifted his kilt and placed it on her shoulder with a few choice words to go with it. Oh my, that's a bad idea. James writes in, A few years ago in my office party, a rather large mate of mine decided to photocopy his ample backside. I, th- I think this is something that probably happens fairly often, the new photocopying. I wonder how many photocopiers have been, the glass has been cracked. By it people's... all started well enough, but shortly after pressing the green button, he heard an alarming crack. Before he could get off, the entire glass cover broke, trapping him inside the innards of the oh, photocopier. I bet he got hurt. Despite the fact that he had several sharp shards of glass sticking into him, he chuckled quite happily as I called for an ambulance to help prize him out. <laughs> uh, Joe, uh, Joe in the UK. One year we organized a dinner trip on a fancy train, Orient Express style. Well, one woman got so drunk she burst into tears, then jumped off the moving train necessitating four of the men at the party to then jump off in order to rescue her. Well, <laughs> I don't, A, not a good idea to jump off a train. No. B, not a good idea to drop, jump off a train after someone. Trains don't necessarily... They keep going. They don't, they, they don't necessarily just go through lush, soft valleys mm-hmm. of loam and gl- grass. I mean... They go usually, over rivers, well, cliffs. Let's forget that. <laughs> uh, just where the train tracks are, it's all rocks, crushed rocks. And when you land on that stuff, it hurts bad. Our boss ended up with his underpants on his head, and at work Monday, most of the staff were convinced they'd been on a plane trip to a nearby island and didn't remember the train at all. So that means they tried to jump out of an airplane. From, let's see, Roger in Scotland. My previous employer had their Christmas parties on Friday evenings. They were always held at posh hotels on the outskirts of Edinburgh, uh, Edinburgh and included, included accommodation as well as a limited free bar. Two years ago, we were at a fabulous golf hotel, and needless to say, things went wrong. Some people who never fa- who were never found set up a tab in the name of the company. Even though this was unauthorized, the eventual bill ran into the thousands, as everyone indulged in vintage champagne and malt whiskey. The MD's PA, flushed with fighting juice, hit another girl with a bottle. The oh. police, ambulance, and carpet cleaners were called. Even bedtime did not stop the capers, as during the course of the night, the fire alarms were set off twice, ensuring the hat trick of emergency service call-outs. Everyone was herded out into the car park in freezing temperatures in various states of undress. The only fun derived was from watching who appeared with whom from their rooms. That is fun. Needless to say, this was the last Christmas party. 
Jay in the UK says, I think one of the most oh, one of the most major hazards of the office Christmas party is the drunken romantic liaisons that often go on between colleagues. I wonder how many people end up quitting their jobs in the new year through sheer unbearable uh, embarrassment after this kind of error in judgment. Maybe that's why there's so many jobs about in the new year. I can't complain, though. Two years ago, I got together with a male colleague of mine after drinking lots at the Christmas party, and, against all odds, I'm still with him to this day. Rowley says, At office parties, I find the overindulgence of alcohol frees tongues and personalities of the constraints of office life. Grievances are aired and discussed. Attractions are explored. And people's true personalities are revealed. I don't trust anyone who turns nasty when they've had a drink at the office Christmas bash, uh, and the office Christmas bash is a good place to find them out. Anyway, it's always the people who show the most disdain of what goes on at the office parties who are the most desperate to find out what happened at them. Finally, my party tip is to be the one with the camera and make sure it's a digital one so the evidence can be quickly deleted. I agree with that. That's mm. a good idea. Get the evidence. Get the dirt on uh, your coworkers. Ben in England writes in, Five years ago, my best friend of 18 years got so drunk on Christmas Eve that he thought it would be an excellent idea to attempt to cross a canal pipe in the icy conditions. Predictably, he slipped and fell in, and despite the valiant efforts of those around him, he died. Hmm. Despite this, I abhor the comments from all the killjoys claiming that an equally good time can be had at Christmas without alcohol. I know what my friend would have had to say about that. These days, I like to remember him by having a few extra drinks on his behalf. <laughs> That's really safe. Just don't go outside and cross canal pipes, okay, while you're drunk. Stay in the stay indoors, stay within the party conditions. Christmas parties, he says, are for unwinding and bonding with colleagues, and with some of the people I work with, this is just not possible without the massive food and alcohol paid for by our customers, who incidentally are nearly all American computer multinationals. Looks like the Americans have a very valid reason to be gutted. Brian says, all our company Christmas celebrations have been canceled this year as a cost-saving exercise. Thank God I don't have to put up with those stupid drunks this year. Yeah! Pascal writes in, who needs Christmas for company parties? Our software company took us to Tunisia. What? The food was so bad, the holiday resort organized a big traditional meal to make up. It was held under a big tent. The couscous was good, but I didn't manage to taste any of the scarabs that were climbing down the tent onto the tables. Yeah. In the end, they served us a very nice blanc... Blancmange with pine nuts. Pretty quickly, spoonfuls of blancmange took off, most of them in the direction of the director's table, who became covered with the stuff. Upon our return to France, we were all summoned to a meeting and uh, to be told off for the bad image of France we gave our hosts. How about a food fight? That's that's one I haven't actually heard of happening at uh, office parties. How often does that one occur? I, I haven't heard of it. Ah, uh, so another BBC story from D.I. in the USA. Ah, the good old days in the U.K., where an office Christmas party was a real opportunity to have some fun with everyone participating. Here in the U.S., political correctness has ruined everything, and the deglamorization of alcohol has made those who imbibe at functions social pariahs. It's tough to have a good time when those around you are being so judgmental. Oh, well, I guess I had to grow up sometime. Merry Christmas, and remember, don't drink and drive. Sarah says, a couple of years ago, whilst in a rather respectable restaurant in London, our managing director decided to do his party trick at the table, which was to look like he was about to throw up. It was so convincing that the waitress even brought over a bucket for him. Ben says, Well, you got to watch out with stuff like that, because uh, vomiting will make other people vomit. It's sort of the suggestive thing, and uh, I, I've seen instances where somebody was pretending like that, and then somebody else puked. Went to an Xmas bash run by one of my customers in the Netherlands, got a... But a bit under the weather, 
Next thing I know, it's the following afternoon, I'm at the railway station in Lille, the next country over, and I'm unaccountably dressed as a chorus girl. Some of these almost even sound unbelievable, but I suppose it could happen, right? You get uh, drunk enough, wasted enough, you change your outfits into a a chorus girl outfit and travel to a different country? Big headdresses, thanks. 1-800-259-9231. You know, maybe the phones aren't working tonight, Mark. I guess we'll have to talk about Muslims in Hour Mm 3. 800-259-9231. The Packet 8 toll-free lines. Hour 3 is coming up, and it is the live Saturday edition of Free Talk Live. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You take control of the airwaves. Bring up whatever you want. 800-259-9231. The Packet 8 toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are totally free, so enjoy them. freetalklive.com as we talk about another radio show. Somebody who uh, did a pretty smooth move on his listeners, Jerry Klein, suggested that all Muslims in the United States should be identified with a crescent-shaped tattoo or distinctive armband. When he, he made that suggestion on the air, the phone lines jammed instantly. The first caller to the station in Washington said that Klein must be off his rocker. The second congratulated him and added, quote, Not only do you tattoo them in the middle of their forehead, but you ship them out of this country. They are here to kill us. And these aren't unlike comments we've received on Free Talk Live, except we've never been, we've never played a role like this. We've right. never um, acted as though we really believed in labeling Muslims and shipping them outside of the borders. That's what this guy was doing. He was playing a, a hoax, essentially, on his listeners. Another said that tattoos, armbands, and other identifying markers, such as crescent marks on driver's licenses, passports, and birth certificates, didn't go far enough. What good's identifying them, he asked. You have to set up encampments like during World War II with the Japanese and Germans. Now, you know, when you hear these uh, these quotes, you almost don't even believe it. You almost think, could could people in America really think this way? This is why democracy is bad. Because, you know, if democracy was the only way that we ruled this country, mm-hmm. being gay would be illegal, being black would be illegal, being... I, I don't know, Jewish would be illegal. All these all these things that aren't the most popular thing around mm-hmm. would be illegal because, you know, that's that's what I think is right because that's what I do with my life. We need to have uh, protections of the Bill of Rights, and we need to not compromise those things so, because otherwise— But Mark, they're trying to kill us! Once, once, the, comp- com- once the compromise this is about, made— This ain't about no black folk or, or, or uh, Jewish folk— they, they're not trying to kill us, Mark. These people are trying to kill us all. Where's your we evidence? we to put them in the camps. Where's your evidence that they're trying to kill us? Just look at 9-11. Everything changed. So um, what if Christians uh, bombed something in the United States? They then we, don't do that. Christians wh- don't do what that. What about Timoth- Timothy, Timothy McVeigh? He loved Jesus. He what? wasn't a Christian. He was a Muslim. <laughs> That's right. The, the the second bomber or whatever the hell. The, the, the third That's right. He had an bomber. Iraqi. <laughs> All right, so 800-259-9231. If you think 
that Muslims should have identifying information, identifying markers, armbands. There was some politician that wanted to uh, to have a special Muslim-only line at airports. And when that suggestion was made, I immediately thought, well, wait a minute. If you want to have a Muslim-only line, how are you going to determine who stands in that line? In order to have a Muslim-only line, you'll have to have some sort of Muslim, Muslim identification. Screening. Yeah. Yeah, otherwise, I'm going to go in the other line. Especially the regular if, if line. I'm an illegal alien Muslim terrorist guy, I'm going to have a, you know, in that, and they have something like that, my name's going to be John Smith. <laughs> yeah. At the end of the one-hour show, Rich with Arguments, it sounds like it's just like a Sunday show or something. Rich with Arguments on the why the visual identification of the threats in our midst would, uh, the threat in our midst would alleviate the public's fears. Klein revealed that he'd staged a hoax. It drew out reactions that are not uncommon in post-9-11 America. He said, quote, I can't believe any of you are sick enough to have agreed for one second with anything that I said, he told his audience on WMAL 630 in Washington. For me to suggest to tattoo marks on people's bodies... Have them wear armbands, put a crescent moon on their driver's license, or on their passport or birth certificate is disgusting. It's beyond disgusting. Because basically what you just did was show me how the German people allowed what happened to the Jews to happen. We need to separate them. We need to tattoo their arms. We need to make them wear the yellow star of David. We need to put them in concentration camps. We basically just need to kill them all because they're so dangerous. The show aired on November 26th, the Sunday after the Thanksgiving holiday, and Klein said in an interview afterwards that he had been surprised by the response. Well, I'm not. I'm not surprised by it at all. We've heard it on this show without having to play games. We've gotten into the issue of uh, transportation and terrorism and uh, the, the surveillance state here in America, and just, I mean, without specifically even asking the question, about should Muslims be identified. We've had people call in and advocate these things. It's despicable. Put them in camps, bomb them till, they, um, till it's a parking lot, mm-hmm. bomb them back to the Stone Age. I, I, I heard somebody, not even just a, a regular person, but um, some kind of uh, political person, I can't remember, identify who it was, but I heard it on the television or radio in the, within the last week, that that's one of the options that uh, we have to look at for solving the problem with, in Iraq. Hey, what? Bombing the place? Bombing the place. I, wait a second. We went over there. They didn't ask us to come over there. I mean, we were supposed to get Saddam Hussein out of control, and we did that a I long don't, damn I time ago. I just don't understand. Well, now we want to kill them all because how, we can't solve their problems? How can somebody think that way? I mean, if you are somebody who thinks that bombing the entire country into the Stone Age is the answer, how could you possibly possibly come to that conclusion when what you're advocating is very clearly killing every innocent person within an x square mile radius how could you possibly think about killing innocent children women children men all these people there's the vast majority of people in this area in the the iraq area of the, the the world have never done anything to you they just Never. want to live their, live their lives in peace. Now, there's granted there's some bad guys doing some bad stuff over there, running amok. But should we really just kill the 99 out of 100 people that are doing nothing to us? <laughs> it's bewildering to me. Michael Savage would have us do that. Yeah, I'm sure he would. And uh, a number of his uh, deniz- uh, a number of his followers mm-hmm. would also advocate this. And if you're somebody who thinks that's the way to approach the situation, 800. 
259-9231. And there are apparently a number of Americans that think this way. According to this Reuters article, polls show widespread anti-Muslim sentiment. Those in agreement aren't a fringe minority. A Gallup poll this summer of more than 1,000 Americans showed that 39% were in favor of requiring Muslims in the United States, including American citizens, to carry special identification. 39% of Americans. What are you thinking? 800-259-9231. If 39% of Americans in a scientific poll, 1,000 Americans, that's scientific, done by Gallup, if almost one out of every two Americans, four out of every ten Americans feel this way, certainly one of them's listening to this show. 800-259-9231. How would you like to see this happen? I mean, let's say you get what you want. You get your special Muslim identification card or crescent moon on the driver's license or tattoo on the forehead or or whatever it is that the requirement will be. How do you go about getting people into the program? Do we open the phone book and go after all of the obviously so-called Muslim names first? However, my my friend Ali El-Hajj, his grandfather immigrated to America. I mean, he's second-generation American. He's as American as I am. The, the question was, including American citizens. I just want to make it clear. Yeah. And, and you know, he's no more, yeah, he's no more Muslim than Hajj. I am Christian. Yeah, but his last name is Hajj. Yes. Well, and uh, how do you prove that somebody was... And it's not a... even his legitimate last name because um, his grandfather, you know, I mean, it was Ellis Island. He didn't speak English very well. Um, El, uh, they got it wrong. Right. El Hajj is actually a title for somebody who makes a trip to Mecca. Um, so it's like the pilgrim or something like that. So, so he's not really even a Muslim then, is what you're saying? Is he? I, he's not religiously a Muslim, right? No. So, uh, so is it going to be only people who are religiously Muslim, or people who have a Muslim heritage last name? I mean, what are the rules going to be for this? What Maybe happens if could... white people um, convert? Anius and uh, they didn't specify the color of the person, but Muslim was the definition. So, how would you organize this program if you were in charge? You who want to protect the nation. You who want to protect your culture. 800-259-9231. 25% of those polled said they wouldn't want to live next door to a Muslim. A third of Americans said that Muslims in the United States sympathize with Al-Qaeda. They think that they all do. <laughs> this is crazy. What are you thinking? 800-259-9231. Well, Muslims wanna... in America did sympathize with um, Al-Qaeda, but... You know, that's just oh, Muslims all just Muslims in two. America. All Muslims in America. Muslims means more coming two. back. You take control of the airwaves. It's free talk live. This is free talk live. It is the live Saturday edition, and it's your show. You bring up whatever you want via the toll free number eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. The packet eight net toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com, where we've got all kinds of neat stuff. And it's all for free, including live streams, the broadband version of the show, and a dial-up version. Both sizes will fit virtually any Internet connection at freetalklive.com. Did I mention it's free, like all the other features on our website? Compare our feature list to this feature list of any of the membership areas of all those other radio talk show hosts, and you'll find that we beat them. Every single one of them, every time. Seriously, if there's somebody, out, if there's a radio talk show out there that has more features than we do, even in their membership area, 
And again, we give all of ours away on it our It would be site. difficult for me to know whether they uh, have more features in the membership area because you have to pay to get into right. it. We don't. Well, you can still you can still see on the outside. They sell what their features are. Mm. So, yeah, if there's anybody else out there that's uh, beaten Free Talk Live as far as content goes, I'd love to know about them. Until then, I'll continue to claim that we're number one. We're number one! 800-259-9231. So, the anti-Muslim sentiment in America is uh, pretty pretty despicable. A thousand Americans polled by Gallup this summer, 39% of them were in favor of requiring Muslims in the United States, including American citizens, to carry special identification. A special Muslim identification card. Potential terrorist identification card. I mean, what is this crap? And how could you possibly consider yourself a liberty-loving American and think this way? Well, maybe you don't. Maybe you don't consider yourself a liberty-loving American. Maybe you consider yourself a fascist. Or a Nazi. I'm sure the the Germans, when they were doing this to the Jews in um, ni- late 1930s in Germany, you know, they just kind of, oh, well, I guess government knows what it's doing. So, I, you know, it, it could happen. 1-800-259-9231. Well, a poll carried out by the Council on American-Islamic Relations, an advocacy group, found that one in three Americans... For one in three Americans, the word Islam triggers negative connotations such as war, hatred, and terrorist. The war in Iraq has contributed to such perceptions. Klein's show, the, uh, Klein's show, we're talking about a guy who did a radio show where he pretended like he was for identifying Muslims, which managed to stir up a bunch of phone calls from people that agreed with him. Uh, he says he followed a week of heated discussions on talk radio, including uh, online forums over an incident on November 22nd involving six Muslim clerics who were handcuffed and taken off of a U.S. Airways flight after passengers reported suspicious behavior that include praying in the departure gate area. What's wrong with that? I don't know. Do I get to kick the Christians off the flight because they're praying too? What are you talking about? Well, it's not even getting kicked off the flight. It was they weren't even on the flight, but when they were doing the praying. Um, but I think it's tacky. I think it's tacky. To pray? I think it's tacky to pray loudly in a uh, public space. Is that what they were doing? Akbar. Oh, is that what they were doing? Yes. Okay. It's precisely what they were doing. They had their little rugs out and they were facing towards Mecca, and they were, uh, you know, in the Muslim sort of praying that goes on mm-hmm. is that's how they do it. They, you know, they they yell they these things. Yeah. yeah. Akbar. Well, it may be uh, tacky, but hey, whatever. Well, it's I, that's it's all I'm their saying. Business. It's tacky. And In the if, same way that if it would be tacky to jump up on one of the uh, the the chairs and and start lifting your hands above your head and kind of jostling up and down on your feet and calling down the power <laughs> of the Holy Spirit on a whole airport. God bless right. this plane. You know, I mean, you could very well find people that would do things sure, like that. Sure. Well, they were. Uh, it's so, tacky. The clerics who were on their way to a meeting of the North American Imams Federation were detained in a holding cell, questioned by police and FBI agents, then released. Muslim community leaders saw the incident as yet more evidence of anti-Muslim prejudice in America. Several American Muslims interviewed on the subject of prejudice over the past few weeks said ignorance was the core of the problem. Mohammed Issa, a U.S. Muslim Arab of descent, of Arab descent, who teaches a course on Islam at a uh, college in Maryland, says the level of knowledge is very, very low. There are 1.3 billion Muslims in the world, and some people think they're all terrorists. Osama Ahmed, a retired Air Force Reserve colonel, 
who occasionally leads prayer meetings for the small Muslim congregation at the Pentagon, agreed. Ignorance is the number one problem. Education is of the essence. And I'm telling you, if we create a program that mandates that Muslims have a identification card, that's not going to help the ignorance issue. It's just going to propagate it. 1-800-259-9231. Do you think that there should be some sort of identifying mark or card? Or something or other that What's should be that placed on Muslim do? Americans. What's the... I don't know. Make you feel better about something? I'm not really even sure, but 39% of Americans think it's going to do something. 800-259-9231. Let's go to Amy in West Virginia listening on Super Talk in Charleston. Hello, Amy. Hello. Hey, what's on your mind? Well, I was, I was thinking, you guys, I was hearing you wanting to get more callers in on your program. Yeah. And I have a suggestion to make. Okay. I would love it if you guys, you'd be the only people that would have a format where you gave equal time to opposing points of view. We, we are, we're, we're Free Talk Live. You can call in about anything. It does, there's no specific uh, point of view requirement on Right, so somebody who agrees or disagrees would, could very well be the person that we take. We and, have that format. And, um, you know, we... No, we kind of lost it under Reagan in his first administration. What do you mean? Where, where when you have a, dis, where, where you have informed people such as you guys who would be doing the research, mm-hmm. to give equal time to opposing points of view. Like, let's take Katie Couric. You okay. know why she might be struggling? She came from an infomercial format. You watch that Good Morning America program, yada yada stuff. They're pitching product. They're pitching product. She's not an anchor. She was taken from a format where she talked about Hollywood and she talked about products. We lost. So wait a minute. I, I just I guess I'm missing your point here. I mean, Free so, Talk Live is a uh, talk show that's not like the other shows. We don't screen out calls. You kind of are because it's just distraction. What do you mean by You're that? You're not Amy? giving us quality. You're wanting opinion and yacht it. You're not giving us information. Ah, you're looking for a more informational show, something more like the news. Oh no, no, no. You're doing you're you're running neck and neck with the news. There is no news. Well, now, we Free Talk Live under doesn't, Reagan's first administration. Free Talk Live doesn't purport to be a news show. We're an entertainment show. We talk about issues, and we take calls from anybody who's got an issue that they want to discuss or a position on an issue that we happen to be discussing. And, posi- and positions on issues are important because th- that's what focuses what the politicians are going to go after next. What you know, ex- what way, in, in, in what manner they're going to limit our freedom in the next um, next time is... You know, basically, what manner we allow them to limit our freedom? What what is it that happened during the Reagan administration that uh, changed everything for you, Amy? It was mandated by the government. The government regulated the news industry to where, by law, you had to give equal time to opposing points of view. Oh, yeah. What's that called, Mark? There's a term for that uh, in the business. I don't it's so it's so long gone yeah, it's, now. But it, it's yeah, like it was uh, neither you, one of us were even out of uh, our you know middle year. Uh, it was where if you had a Republi- It was where if you had a Republican candidate on a talk show, you also had to have the uh, had to have the Democratic candidate on that same show. You know, the next hour or the next day for the same amount of time. That's precisely what that law was. But how would that apply um, with Free Talk Live, Amy? For instance, we are not Republicans or I'm Democrats. I'm offering you a suggestion. Well, we're asking. I know. We're I'm just trying to explore this idea with you. to get callers in because I think people are desperate for that kind of format. Well, I... Well, we, even <laughs> whether you're talking about radio news, television yeah. news... Amy, thank you for the call. We appreciate hearing from you. Where I'm coming from on this is we're libertarians. 
And we don't get equal time anywhere. I mean, that'd be awfully nice, but even I don't want to mandate a law that requires that libertarians get equal time. Let's let individual show hosts decide who gets what. And in this case, we decide that you can call in about anything. That's why it's Free Talk Live. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free, but if you think other people deserve to hear this show, consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You bring up anything toll-free, 800-259-9231, the Packet 8 toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All of the features on the site are completely free, and that does include the listener map. You can get on it, uh, add yourself to it, or just surf around the world and see who else is listening to the show. Map.freetalklive.com. That's map.freetalklive.com. You know, Mark, we just got off the phone with Amy in West Virginia, calling from uh, Super Talk 950 WVTS. Super Talk. And she was talking about, well, if you guys want more callers, you should uh, have equal viewpoints on the air. For some reason, it was like an excuse for her to push the idea of going back to the equal time law that they used to have in broadcasting. Mm -hmm. And I just want to just recap why it was that I was even lamenting not having calls, because we were on a topic, which, by the way, a, a violation of the rules of talk radio. You're not supposed to get on the radio and uh, talk about how you don't have calls. Because we do. We've got calls. It's just that nobody called in about a topic that should have generated a bunch of calls. It should have generated a bunch of good calls. In your calls. mind, it should have generated. It didn't I know, generate. because it has in the past. Well, Which it, is why it's like, it, whoa, it has hello. On a, it has on FM talkers, but we're, but we're, on, more, on, a, we're on some FM talkers. Yeah, we're, but we're more on AMs, and the show's much more politically oriented. Than I people understand that, that, but everybody still goes to office parties. That was why I even asked for it. So we weren't even talking about a political topic. Right. So I don't even know why she called in about but she wanted to the push, equal she time wanted, law. She wanted to push her, um, you know, bringing her back the, uh, yeah. the, the equal time Which thing. I think is a terrible idea. I agree. If, if it was great, Hannity and, to and Combs would be the number one show on television. It's not. It's not even close. I think they got a, a decent viewership. I'm not, I, I said the number one show. And it's not. It's not even close. It's not the number one political show by any stretch. Right, and also, I mean, when it comes to this, this rule, this law that's now defunct, it's been eliminated at this point, but essentially it mandated that radio stations and television stations had to have, had to give equal time to political candidates. Well, I, for some reason, I get the feeling that that wouldn't have applied to third parties. Don't sure you get wouldn't. that feeling? Like, Absolutely. I mean, wouldn't the Libertarian Party be a little more uh, active today? Wouldn't it have more members if its candidates were allowed to simply say, hey, Radio station owner, I heard you put a Democrat and a Republican on the air this week, but I'm running for Congress as a Libertarian, and why am I not getting equal time? Uh, they could do that, but they, I guess, didn't, or they weren't allowed. Maybe it was only for Republicans and Democrats. Maybe it was only for the major parties to get so-called equal time. That's well, not very fair, is the, it? The major parties are the ones that make the laws. So, Indeed. Uh, the major parties are the ones who uh, get to enforce them, and... Um, the reason I really don't believe in the Libertarian Party is because I just don't think they're ever going to be able to break through that uh, particular problem. So when it comes to giving people equal time, I think that uh, politi political types have access to the airwaves. They can equally buy advertisements. So, for instance, if you're a Republican or a Democrat and you want to go buy an advertisement on your local radio station, as long as the inventory is available, you can go and buy it. 
Nobody's stopping you from doing that. Right. Well, I wouldn't force the radio stations to sell it to them, but uh, I wouldn't either. there's actually laws on the books regarding that, too. Um, when it comes to political ads, you have to sell your ad to the the political advertiser at the lowest rate you've sold an ad in the last 90 days. Um, you have to sell it to them. So you can't, you can't ask them for a higher rate or anything like that. And I don't know if you know, but uh, – and, and obviously stations don't follow the – the stations I worked at have not followed this rule uh, hard and fast, but, uh, you know, there's some ads are very, very cheap. Um, the premier ads that come through Clear Channel, yeah, they're like 2 or $3 a piece for mm-hmm. those little 10-second uh, liners or whatever they are. Okay. Whereas um, on the same station, uh, a 60-second ad might be 25 bucks, 150 bucks. Yeah. So it just depends. So do we want to bring this law back and mandate that a, a radio talk show host has to have, has to give equal time to every political party? I don't want to bring a law back to mandate anything. No, I don't either. You want to talk about boring radio. Uh, that's one of the reasons why we don't talk about politics. I think Amy probably hasn't, hasn't listened to Free Talk Live very much, because while we cover political issues, we don't cover them in the typical ways that the Republicans and the Democrats do on this show. And I would be... I would sh- put a shotgun in my mouth if I was mandated to have Republicans and Democrats come on the air on this show. That would be hell for me. I don't want to talk to those boobs. 800-259-9231. It would be a brawl on here if we brought on uh, political candidates of uh, the Republican oh, yeah, or they wouldn't Democratic want to come on side. here. They wouldn't want to. As soon as they got, a w- got wind of what we were up to, like the time I tried to get Mothers Against Drunk Driving on this show, mm-hmm. they got wind of what this show was all about. Canceled their appearance. Mm-hmm. Didn't even want to come near us. We challenged too many ideas. We're too iconoclastic for them. 800-259-9231. Let's go to Ben in Japan. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hello, Ben. Hey, Ian. What's going on? Hey, what's on your mind, Ben? I want to talk about government health care and why it doesn't work. Indeed. Go for it. Well, right now I'm serving in the Marine Corps, so I live with government health care every day. Mm-hmm. And I've got two specific examples as to why it's a bad thing for okay. anyone who still holds hope for it. Go for it. Uh, first one, uh, close personal acquaintance of our families contracted hepatitis through a blood transfusion in the Army. Ooh. Well. And uh, second one, just more recently, not quite so serious, but equally retarded, uh, well, someone I work with in my, uh, my shop, they scheduled a wisdom tooth appointment for him to get his wisdom teeth pulled. Okay. He hasn't had wisdom teeth in five years. Wow. Why'd they schedule the appointment? How'd that happen? I don't know. They just, I mean, they they give, like, every every night they they hand down a list of, like, medical dental appointments that they've given people. Hmm. I don't even know how they obtain these because there was never a consultation or anything like that. They just, Bizarre. They just gave it to them. Yeah, you know, there's all kinds so, of mean, examples of uh, socialist health care just failing and being slow and, but, and know, inept. People seem to want this terrible health care as long as it's free. Yeah. They just, they, they, you know, we have a right to universal health care. Well, you don't have a right to it. The, if, if you had a right to health care, then I would be, somebody has to give that health care. Right. Then you have the right to command that person. And that's not what a right is. A right is a freedom, not the ability to command somebody. By the way, I want to jump back to the first example of the hepatitis transmission. Um, yes. Now, it's, to be fair, in the marketplace, mistakes can happen, right? I mean, that could have, that could have, that mistake could have happened in a private situation. 
But on that, right? But a private, but a private company would have, some, would have something to lose by that. Yeah, they would. Uh, they would have responsibility. They could be sued. They would have to to make amends. They would have to uh, make good as as well as they possibly could on this. What happened in the military's case? Was there a law? Uh, was there a lawsuit involved here, or did he just have uh, to get hepatitis and live think, with it? I think he's just been living with it. I don't know if there's, there was ever any opportunity for a. Uh, compensation on his part. Right, and plus, even if there was compensation, even if you could successfully sue the government, which very rarely happens, it is possible. It takes forever. Very rare. It takes forever. But even if you could successfully sue the government, taxpayers are paying the bill. The doctors, exactly. the doctors that screwed it up, probably going to keep their jobs. Uh, they're not going to have their pay docked. They're not going to feel any sort of ramifications in any way whatsoever, except maybe a, a mean memo that'll get sent out. And uh, then you and I get fleeced to pay the bills. Ben, any other thoughts right. for us? No, just keep it up. I'm looking forward to moving back to the free state when I get out. How much more time do you have? I uh, just finished my one, my first year, Oof. but I'm originally from Keene. So you got three more? Yes. Good luck, Ben. We'll see you when you get back. Thanks for the call. We All appreciate right. it. 800-259-9231. I feel like it's a sentence. <laughs> when you join the military, you've got there four years, or I guess they're doing two years now, aren't you're they? You're certainly not getting out. Yeah, you're essentially sentenced uh, to uh, forced labor for three years, and if you didn't, if you didn't realize what you were getting into, too bad. Oops, you're in. Yep, you're in. You can't get out. You try to leave, and you're in big old trouble. So I guess there are some ways you can do it. You can sort of be a uh, non. You can get discharged. It's just I guess it's tricky to get the honorable discharges compared to there's uh there's different categories of it. There's dishonorable discharge, there's honorable discharge, and then there's like a general there's discharge. A, yeah, there's a couple of different ones in there actually. I think there's like five different uh but some of them are have to do with uh being injured. I believe Keith in Tennessee might have some insight into that. Keith, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hello guys. Hey. What Normally are the discharges? Actually, for almost everybody, it's eight-year commitment if you sign up the first time. Oh, that's four years on, and then right. the four years is the the ready reserves. Right. Well, it depends on how you sign up, but it's got to be a total of eight, pretty much. Yeah, that's people. that's almost a decade of your life, Keith. Hang on, I know you had something you wanted to talk about, so we're coming back to you. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Only moments remain in this, the live Saturday edition. Still enough time for your call about anything. It is your show, Free Talk Live. One eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. This is Free Talk Live, Saturday edition, in here with you. And Mark. The toll-free number, 800-259-9231. That's the packet8.net toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features there, completely free. But again, freetalklive.com. Now, if you like the fact that we give away all those features for free, then you can support the show in two ways. One, you can head over and shop at Amazon.freetalklive.com. Buy virtually anything that you could possibly need in life. And there are over 35 categories of products. Um, and don't forget, holiday shopping can be done at Amazon.freetalklive.com as well. Uh, as well, because if you buy at Amazon.freetalklive.com, and our listeners bought over 230 products last month alone, which is awesome, then we get a percentage of the uh, of the sale. Free Talk Live benefits from everything you purchase. Amazon.freetalklive.com and don't forget to join the AMP program at amp.freetalklive.com for three bucks a month you can help spread the message of liberty and freedom around the world around the country get all the details at amp.freetalklive.com to, to uh, Keith in Tennessee we uh, Tennessee we return to hello you're back on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark hello again all right so what were you calling in about tonight sir oh right I was calling in about the news what your um not your last caller but the call from West Virginia talked about yes Amy. 
Amy, I think Amy had a great idea that you should um, you should like cover the news since, like she said, it's not really you know out there. It's not really covered. No one's ever talking about it. Well, what sort of news would you like to hear covered? I don't know. I, I think I remember a long time ago um, something like Mark said he might do a version of the news, like a really cool version or something. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's still something that's sort of in the hopper for the future. Um, basically, the idea is, for instance, on some FM stations, when you're listening to an AM talk radio station, you've got that six minutes at the top of the hour, typically, that is known as the news. Um, and usually it's like a CBS or a CNN or Fox News. It depends USA. On, yeah, it depends on your uh, your local station and who they have their contract with. But in that particular position, we sit here and, you know, we surf around the net and we do things in the studio. We do a little show prep, whatever we need to get done. On an FM talk station, sometimes they don't have the news. Sometimes on their local shows, they don't have it. So, for instance, in the future, it may come to the point where we'll need to provide a program segment during that particular... It'll be like an optional segment for stations. They, stations that have news won't be able to pick it up, but stations that don't have it will be able to pick up an extra Free Talk Live segment where we could have Mark maybe reading news items. But but Free Talk Live isn't a news show. We don't start the show out by talking about whatever the top issue is. We talk about what's interesting to us, and in some cases that doesn't necessarily have to do with news at all. Like, for instance, uh, in hour number two, we talked about uh, holiday parties. So that said, Keith, any other thoughts? Well, I think you have really good points there, but I still think you should have Mark read more because it's really funny when he reads. He's always messing up. Yeah, I'm, yeah, uh, that's great. I'm terrible. That's just what we need. Thanks for the call, Keith. 800-259-9231. That's toll-free, 800-259-9231. Say, hey, speaking of news and Mark reading, uh, one out of 32 Americans, Mark, what's going on with them? Well, they're, they're, they're locked up. They, they what? can't. Yeah, they're uh, locked up. Apparently, America has, uh, you know, once, you know, as as you know, we are we incarcerate more of our citizens than do any other westernized. Any I did in the know world. that. Actually, I did know exactly what this was about. This is sick stuff. And man. we have a new record um, oh, from gosh. from the Associated Press. A record seven million people, or one in every thirty two American adults, are behind bars. Oh my gosh. On probation or on parole by the end of last year, according to the Justice Department. Of those, 2.2 million were in prison or jail, an increase of um, 2.7 over the previous year, according to a report le- um, released last Wednesday. More than 4.1 people were on probation and 784,000 were on parole at the end of 2005. I don't know what the difference between probation and parole other than parole comes after prison and probation's before, but I think that, that hmm. essentially they're, they're the same thing. Okay. Prison releases are increasing, but admissions are increasing more. Men still far outnumber women in prisons and jails, but the female population is growing a lot faster. Over the past year, the female population in state or federal prison increased by 2.6%, while the number of males only rose by 1.9. By the year's end, 7% of all inmates were women, and gender figures do not include inmates in local jails. So Hmm. girls are getting locked up more and more. Now, why is all this happening, Mark? Why are so many Americans... Spending time in jail. Are we becoming a more violent society? What is the reason behind this? Well, two words. The drug war. Um, does the article actually bear that out, or is that just your uh, suggestion? Uh, it does bear it out as far as the women go. It doesn't uh, talk about men in, uh, specifically, but mm-hmm. um, the reason that there are more women um, in prison than there have been in the past is because of drug crimes. And if the men are going up 
um, also, then their number's increasing, then why would they be increasing if the women are increasing by because of drug crimes, then why are men increasing? Indeed. So the solution? Make the make you know make drugs legal. Well, now the police officers would say, or some police officers would say to that, well, if you make drugs legal, then the government is just going to regulate them, and that's going to allow the black market to continue to operate. I disagree. Is there a black market in gin? There's uh, there are people that are making uh, whiskey in their bathtubs. There absolutely are people that are making whiskey in their bathtubs, and are they selling it to anyone? Probably not. Because nobody wants to buy whiskey that was made in the bathtub, which is how pretty much they make meth. So mm-hmm. if you had the option, you're a meth, you're a meth guy, um, and you have the option of buying meth that was made in the bathtub or meth that was made in the lab by Pfizer, which meth would you prefer? Whichever one's cheaper. Every time? <laughs> because I think that you can get uh, bathtub whiskey. I don't know what you, I, you know, I have no idea. But let's say you can get bathtub whiskey right. for um, uh, $2 a liter. Yeah. I don't want it i as a matter of fact when i go to bars i pay for top shelf uh drinks Mm -hmm. because i don't want to drink the cheapest vodka that they have i want the the good one well one that tastes better and the one that i feel it's going to give me a um less of a hangover i was talking with uh some of the cops on lawenforcementforums.com about this and and i pointed out he said well the the if these drugs are uh legal it'll get regulated and then the drug lords will still make money and i said oh yeah well where are the alcohol lords and he named one of the breweries down the street, and I said, no, uh, 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 no, no. I mean the illicit ones, the ones that aren't legitimate. Where are the alcohol lords? Where are the most wanted alcohol dealers in America? You don't hear about it. That's because there aren't any. And then he said, well, there are some people who uh, make, who brew, the, I know, he says, I know people who brew their own alcohol, and they give it away for free, some of them do. So and I what? said, okay, fine. The fact, is st- the fact still remains. If drugs were made legal then it wouldn't matter if there's an occasional person here and there that happens to brew their own drugs or make their own drugs. They happen to give it away because the vast majority of users, the vast, super, super majority of alcohol users are not brewing their own alcohol. Only a small percentage of hobbyists brew their own alcohol. Now, I've and the heard, same thing would happen with other drugs. I've heard people say, well, if you made drugs legal, then everybody would just grow pot in their backyard and nobody would buy it off the market. I wouldn't grow pot. Now, take, let's look at this for a second. Tobacco isn't a difficult plant to grow. And there's certainly places in America where it would grow easily, like weeds. Mm-hmm. Why don't America? You know, why don't we know? All, you know, just this this rampant uh, you know growth of tobacco. Well, in part of it maybe because it's illegal. It's illegal to grow tobacco in, in some states. It is illegal hmm. to grow, to grow tobacco because they don't want you competing with uh, with the tobacco companies. Well, that's just protectionism. And yes, it is. A bad idea. It's despicable. But um, I'm just. I don't think it's illegal. For one, it may be illegal, but most cops don't know it's illegal, and I don't know it's illegal. So and they're not on the, the lookout deal? for tobacco plants. Right. No big deal. Right. Um, I, I, you know, even people that smoke a pipe, that would probably be the easiest way to take a tear up tobacco right. leaves, I guess, dry them and, and hang them and then tear them yeah, up. That's and, not easy at all. It's, it's, it's not easy. easy. It's to easy walk into the store and, and buy, buy some off the pack shelf. Of smokes for three bucks or right. whatever. I think it's it's probably five, six, seven dollars. So to jump back onto the, the topic here, because we've got to get to the phones here in just a moment. But to jump back, the solution is to end the war on drugs. Because if you end the war on drugs, it takes the profit incentive out of the business, takes all the extreme black market profits out, turns the business over to legitimate entities, 
and makes it so everything's done on the up and up. And the users don't have to knock over convenience stores, rob mothers and fathers and children, uh, break into cars, and commit, commit violence in order to get their hands on the money they need to buy their stuff. Violence against me, somebody yep. who doesn't use drugs. Exactly. So Why should I be put in jeopardy from, a drug, from the drug war when I don't do them? It's the only sensible solution. We've got to go to the phones to Jim in Tennessee. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hey, Jim. How are you guys doing tonight? Good. Good What's sir. on your mind? Well, I got a real quick story that I find really indicative of the American condition today. Okay. Um, my my final, uh, we're coming up to the end of the semester, and one of the options for the final project for my uh, 2D design class is make a sign and go protest something. I told him that's great. I already know what I'm going to do. I'm going to go make a sign that says deprivation of property by force is theft, and stand in front of the local IRS office. And he asked me why I would do that. And of course, just being a college, I have of course run smack into a liberal. Mm-hmm. So he actually thinks that taxes are good. And I asked him how he can possibly think that taxes are good. And he says that he thinks that taxes uh, are a form of altruism. And that really kind of me because it surprised me <laughs> that pe- people go to such lengths to think that they're not being robbed by the government that they think forcibly depriving them of their property is equivalent to Altruism. Outrageous. We're out of time. Thanks for the call, man. We appreciate it. There is no altruism behind taxes. Otherwise, you wouldn't forced. go to jail if you didn't pay Yeah, them. It's just force and threats. It's Minnie in here with you. And Mark. See you online. In the meantime, uh, at uh, freetalklive.com. And enjoy your weekend, everybody. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supplies, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com. 